Oh, it feels right. Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I as I accidentally uh, I, uh I, when I, when I left the podcast. Oh, by the way, hi, hi, Rob. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, brother. That's Caleb down there below in the blue shirt. Yes, nice to meet you. Um, as I sat down at my computer, I was uh, the first thing that popped up uh, was this video from the guest I had on yesterday, and I played it yesterday. But do you care if I just play like ten seconds of it again? It's just no, please do. I, I watched that video uh, this morning. I just love this guy. I just love the shit he says. This is just so good. Hi, everyone. I came to America with nothing but a simple dream, a dream to leave my mark on the world. America owed me nothing except the freedom to chart my own path. Along the way, I met two types of people, those who believed in their own potential and made the choices necessary to achieve their dreams, and those who believed they had no choices. Ah, God, he's good. Yeah. God, he's good. I thought you were referencing of like your podcast from yesterday. So no. I, oh, that that was that was yesterday, wasn't it? Was that in there? I think so. Okay, yeah. I, I might have missed that part. Who who else did I have on yesterday? Did I do two podcasts yesterday? Well, maybe I'm just getting them wrong. I the 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 guy that was uh, I forget his name. The dude who was talking about you like meditation and and that. Like, oh oh oh, Scott Sure, two days yes. ago. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Well, you're you're more up to date than my wife. My wife's talking to me about podcasts I did a month ago. Right. (laughs) How can how could anyone keep up? That's true. You do put out a lot of content. (laughs) Hey, I like this um this setup. So you're in your office, and then behind you is yeah. This is my living room. Actually, this is where I live. I just have a giant sign in my in my living room. Now this is uh, the Barbell Space Project gym. Um, th- this is our own standalone, uh, CrossFit facility, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, this is different than ha- hammer CrossFit. Yeah. I also own hammer CrossFit central, which is, uh, about a half a mile away from this location. Okay. Wow. Um, what is uh, barbell saved barbell saves? So barbell saves project is a nonprofit. We are a CrossFit affiliate. We offer free CrossFit classes for anyone that is in recovery from drug or alcohol abuse. Are you affiliated with the Phoenix guys? Nope. But I Um, I mean, we we would consider ourselves like community partners. They've moved into Arizona and started kind of uh, setting up their program here. And we're, we're good friends with, uh, with that, with that company. Right. But they, but they don't own you. You're not like, um, um, nobody owns those bottled waters that Coca-Cola owns. Nope. No. Wow. That, um, that's crazy. I had, I, I, this is going to be great. I had no idea. How long do you have to be sober before you can step in there? Uh, 48 hours. Actually, that's taken directly from the Phoenix. We actually asked them for some advice and some help. And it's just an arbitrary, uh, you know, line in the sand that says, Hey, you know, if we ask you at the front door, you look high or drunk, you got 48 hours, dude. And you know, <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of the bar that we set uh, to 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 allow for just about anybody to to come on in. But obviously, it allows us to you know, if someone looks like they're really intoxicated or struggling, uh, to to say, hey, you know, we do ask that someone's got forty eight hours. Um, why don't you just come back when you're when you're clean, and we can maybe help find them a resource or or something like that in the moment. 
Uh, but for the most part, you know, we've, we've serviced a thousand clients and we haven't had any issues like that yet. So if, um, uh, ha- did you ever have a substance abuse problem? Yeah. So I'm, I'm 10 years, uh, in July 16th, uh, clean. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, a an, an alcoholic and a hard user, uh, as a teen, just, uh, an athlete that partied a lot. And then in my twenties, I started, uh, I got addicted to opiates via just painkillers. So recreational use, the a girl that I was dating had a prescription for like Vicodin and, you know, I had no idea. I was super ignorant and naive. I, I didn't understand that, you know, someone like me who, you know, drank four or five nights a week to black out, um, but had no physical dependency on alcohol. Uh, I also would use like recreational drugs like cocaine, hallucinogenics, like all that kind of stuff. Again, I never developed a physical dependency. And so that bottle of Percocet or Vicodin, whatever we had there, we had, you know, like a hundred count. I did that for, I don't know, like two weeks straight working at McDonald's, you know, and I was like, damn, this stuff is amazing. I have been wasting my time with alcohol every night with a hangover. (laughs) You're a winner. So I was like, this is it. Like, dude, all I need is bottles and bottles of prescription drugs (laughs) and I'm set for life. So, you know, then two weeks into that, uh, we run out and, this insatiable insanity like overcomes me. And I'm like, absolutely not. Everything needs to stop. I am freaking the fuck out and I'm going to go get drugs because <laughs> I'm losing those exact same ones. Uh, no, I just went and I went and upgraded to uh, like a higher dosage, like these uh, they're called perk thirties or oxy eighties. This is back, you know, 15, almost 18 years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. When we're starting to see, what we now look back on as like the opioid epidemic, right? Where uh-huh. the doctors are over prescribing, you know, oxys and perks and all this stuff, like at an incredible level. So drug dealers, like uh, the people I associated with were out there, like <laughs> preying on old women that were getting over prescribed these medications uh, to buy the excess to sell back to people. Right. So like, yeah. How, you know, a little side money for grandma, a little side hustle. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't, yeah, exactly. she doesn't take We're it. Like, she we'll just take those off your hand for $1,200. Yeah. We'll yeah. turn around on the street and sell them for three to $5,000. But at the same time, so I start doing that hustle. So you were an entrepreneur too at the time. I was a grunt. <laughs> I was not, I was, I was only focused on getting high uh, because I was so weak. Like I couldn't tolerate that feeling of withdrawal. Uh, can, so I, I want to just stop you one second uh, and go back. Can I, um, can I be addicted to drugs? And uh, you kept using this word like physical dependency, but could I be addicted to drugs and not um like have issues? There's this like psychological like assessment that you hear with every drug addict. Well, they're hiding something or they're avoiding something or it's a coping mechanism. Could it just be that like I um yeah, like you're you have an insatiable hunger for drugs <laughs> or, or, or I, I, people get mad at me when I say this, but like if I, um, it could be 10 o'clock at night and I want some alcohol and I could just eat and go out in the yard and pick an apple and eat an apple. And that desire for alcohol just completely went away. Right. And, and I've had friends, I've talked to, uh, um, years ago, I talked to Dave Castro about it. He goes, Hey, did you just chasing the sugar and the carbohydrates and the alcohol? 
and you had the two kind of confused but there is other times where like um uh a common a really common thing for me is i get off the podcast and i and i could just use a drink Right. I mean, I, 99% of the time I don't, but I just could, I'm just like, man, a drink sounds good right now and sit outside in my yard and just, but I can't, does it, is it, does it, is it always, I'm, I'm avoiding something or uh, could I just be just like, yes. like, is it okay? <laughs> yes. So like nicotine and then it just compiles on top of each other. So like I used to do nicotine and at first it's just to get rid of a little stress. And then next thing you know, I'm smoking a cigarette to Anytime any problem comes up, stub my toe, smoke a cigarette, got to right. go to work, smoke a cigarette. I'm hungry, smoke a cigarette. I just use it to just fill every void. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's okay. why there's no, there is no line, like the line itself for where did I break into physical dependency or like full blown addiction? When does that occur? What day did that happen for me? When will that happen for you? Like, we don't know. Everyone is different. Big surprise. You can't generalize this stuff. Like, you are, let's say that you do drink after every single podcast. And let's say that you were doing only one podcast a day. Then you increase. And it's in the morning, by the way, the thing that's weird is it's like eight 30 and I'm like, you know, I could really just have a Tito's and soda right now. And it'd be right. chill. <laughs> so let's say you yeah. just start doing that seven days a week in the morning. And now yeah. let's say you stop doing the podcast. And now when you wake up, you just drink anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, well, I don't have to podcast. And that's kind of what happened to people during the pandemic, right? Was all these like uh, professionals, especially, and this is, this is my own um, experience with some of my friends and family is you've got these, um, they're high achievers. They're professionals. They're working their nine to five and making a good living. They've usually come home, had a few drinks, played with their kids, gone to bed, business as usual. Now all of a sudden they're working remote. And 10 o'clock rolls around. They're like, we got shit to do. (laughs) So we start drinking a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier and a little bit more frequently. And then it's like, dude, I, I think I have a drinking problem. Like a year. I would crack it. I would crack a kombucha um, at eight 30 in the morning. And I would hear my wife yell from bedroom. Are you fucking kidding me during the (laughs) pandemic? I'd be like, Nope, I'm not kidding you. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's such an interesting like conversation that doesn't get talked about enough is, where is that line? And that's what happens. Like, right. As like, I'm a teenager. I, I come from a, a really solid family. Good mom and dad been married over 50 years. My brothers wow. are 10 and 12 years older than me. They're both uh, very successful, well-adjusted human beings. And I'm coming up as the baby in the family and I'm pretty wild. I'm, I'm, I'm athletic. And, you know, in my teens, I think what my parents are witnessing is like, like he's super social. He loves to be the center of attention. He wants to party that's cool. He's going to grow out of that, you know? And I didn't, (laughs) instead of growing out of it, it progressed. It got worse until it got to a point where I was fucked. Like, I mean, I was like, you're chasing that. You're chasing that instead of it being kind of an accessory to life. Oh man. I was the partier. Like I was having a fun fucking time from eighth grade. The first time I blacked out, like it was always about Wow, eighth grade, eighth grade. I drank a bottle of Cuddy Shark. And uh, it was just gin from the back. Oh, my God, gin. My dad found me. My dad pulls up to the house as I'm riding my bike with a buddy drunk. And I keel over in the street and I'm out. And my dad has to pick me up and bring me in the house. And again, coming from the background that we came up in, like, you know, in the 80s and and things like that, it was probably half funny to them, you know, and where today maybe parents would be far more alarmed than they were back then. You know, um, I was recreationally drinking with the family probably at 15, like going down to Rocky Point in Mexico, 
uh, getting a fake ID and and drinking and having fun at 15, 16 years old. Um, so I was always for me, it wasn't necessarily about like filling some void about I had like some traumatic childhood uh, experience, which is a lot in a lot of cases that that's absolutely a good reason to, to have a problem. Um justifiable at least but in my case that's i just wanted to fucking party i wanted to yeah and that led to like all these other mm, behaviors that would consequently cause me so many issues i just didn't know it right cheating on girls right like i'd have a great great girlfriend get the you know captain of the cheerleading team but i cheat on her all the time with all of her friends i was that person because you're intoxicated because i was intoxicated because i was impulsively chasing a good because you were handsome and had a nice body Boom. Because you didn't want to be selfish with your body. No, I wanted everyone to experience it. Yes. I, I, you're a good dude. <laughs> you're so misunderstood. We are. So, yeah. So my story was not based in like this traumatic upbringing or anything like that. It was like I was someone who was impulsively chasing good feelings. Right. I just wanted to be happy today. Um, I couldn't make any sacrifices for tomorrow. Fuck going to school. I'd rather get high in the parking lot. Uh I was just thinking about it on the way here. I was like, I, I was a good baseball player. I was thrown off the baseball team like five times in four years. All for I'm um, drinking? No, just for oh. my attitude. Like oh. I was a shitty person. Like I was arrogant. I thought I knew better than everybody. How dare this like JV coach tell me how to ground, like feel the fucking fly ball. You know, I'm a state champion. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Right, and right. That arrogance, that ego that was constantly fueling these bad decisions. And – I didn't learn that shit until I was 31 years old, until I got sober. So I did a whole 15 years of just using, right? Hard using. And I'd say about eight years of every single day of my life addicted to a substance, whether that was opiates or crystal meth. And I chased that until they locked me up. And that was in uh, 2011. I think I got arrested uh, and locked up for the first, first time I'd done stints in like county jails and things like that for DUIs and, and all that kind of shit, you know, misdemeanor stuff. Um, this one was, I was really, 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 really fucked up. And I had been up for days using bath salts, crystal meth and Xanax. And maybe I ran out of Xanax and that was kind of like the, that was the stabilizer for me. And I was scaring the, the drug addicts that I was living with, right? If these people and I were doing some really, nefarious things, uh, stealing cars, writing fake checks, counterfeiting money, like all that kind of stuff. And they were like, dude, you've lost your fucking mind. So they dropped me off on a corner. I'm hallucinating so bad. I've got a butcher knife. Wait, 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 wait. Sure. Sure. So so you're in the house and you're in a bad spot and they, they think it's a good idea to drive you and drop you off on a car. Like, yeah, they think they think that I'm my dad does that to squirrels. He catches to them. <laughs> so, my dad catches squirrels in his yard and then in a cage and then drives them like 20 miles away and drops them off. That's exactly it's right. like, fuck you. Get out of here. That that's exactly what they did to you. Yep. I, I was, oh, my goodness. They were like, yep. No, nope, he's lost it. He's unstable. Let's coerce him into the back of a car. Let's drive him far away and then leave him on a corner. Wow. So they did. And uh, how did you, and you had the butcher knife in your hand from the house. Yeah, actually, I, didn't, I don't know. I must have let it go. But that was the story I was told is that I had it. Yeah. And I was basically called on because I had climbed a tree in a neighborhood. True story. Uh-huh. I can remember the hallucination as if it was real. And I thought that the the entire ground was shaking, 
that lava was spewing out of the cracks. Um, and I needed to get away from that. So I climbed up a tree, like a big ass tree. I also was thinking that I had my, at that time, he was probably like three years old. I had a three-year-old son and I was terrified for him. So I was like full on like Lion King hallucinating at the top of a tree, holding out this uh, imaginary child. When the cops are like, sir, you need to come down from there. (laughs) And so I get arrested. I spend the night in jail, still hallucinating. I'm I'm listening to the toilet because it's talking to me. Um, I go in front of a judge in the morning. There's a whole, they they separate me from the group. Uh, They still don't actually assess that I'm having these severe hallucinations and troubles. I'm then brought into a courtroom with the other people who were arrested the night before. You're basically getting like a sentence and like, this is what's going to happen. Here's what happens next. We go into the room. It's white walled, white tile. You know, there's the judge at the top. There's all metal benches and we're all in handcuffs. And I, in my mind, again, hallucinating, goes directly to gas chamber. And I'm like, they're going to gas chamber me. <laughs> and I was like, why are the drugs so strong? Why, why after 24 hours, you haven't come down? I, 12 hours. I honestly had nothing to do with it. It had a lot to do with drugs, but I had also probably been awake for six days. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so I was just, on crystal meth and bath salts and I, and I hadn't slept in a long time. This wasn't the first time that this happened. This happens to me every time I do crystal meth. Um, I go and I'll stay up for days on end and yeah. then it gets really out of control until I pass out and I get some sleep. And then I get up and the cycle starts over again. So for all intents and purposes, this is pretty much like just business as usual. Only this time I ended up in jail. And so I think I'm getting gas chambered and I bolt. So I try to escape the gas chamber. I jail. Um, That doesn't go well. They cattle prod me. They slam me into the ground They split my head open. But in that uh, kerfuffle, I I strike one of the officers with my handcuffs and, and, you know, put them in the emergency room. So now I've got, you know, all these felonies for dangerous drug possession and an assault on a police officer. Uh, and that really sets in motion. Uh, it's, it's a godsend to be honest. Uh, it was, it's those officers that arrested me that day that saved my life. It is those officers that uh, called my dad that night after that incident, when I was back locked up and I kind of came to, I slept and they had an honor, uh, an opportunity to meet the real me but they were like, dude, your son's a, a, like a, a straight shooter. He's a good kid. Uh, this is this is a pretty just fucked up situation that we got, and we just want to get him help. And so I spend a week there locked up, and then they send me to rehab, and it's my first time going to like a 30-day inpatient rehab where, I, you, you know, you sleep every day there. And so I learned some skills. I learned some shit about myself. It's the first time that I'm like, oh, my God, I, I, I can see now the mistakes that I've been making, like it wasn't the drugs that were the problem. It was me. (laughs) It was these, it was that ego and that, you know, that uh, arrogance that was always getting you into trouble, that, that unwillingness to like make a sacrifice for future you, you know, always living this bullshit, like one day at a living my life as if it's the last day I'm going to have. So I might as well fucking throw myself a party. And so I get out and, uh, I'm sober for like three months. I meet a girl. We show up to a restaurant. She pulls a bottle of vodka out of her purse. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so I relapse. We start drinking. I'm sitting at the bar with this girl. And then 
all of a sudden an insatiable urge to do meth comes over me. So I tell her I'm going to the bathroom. Instead of going to the bathroom, I get in the car, I leave. And oh, I go shit. And I go to a dope house and I spend the next six months there. I violate my probation and I get locked up again. And this time, and I'm, you know, I break down and I'm crying because I haven't been sober for six months. Right. And the judge, you know, I spent a month in isolation. Um, probably the best. It was it was very emotionally painful. Describe that to me. A month in isolation. What's that look like? You, you just get uh, out an hour a day in the yard or? Yeah. So, no. So, like, um, so because I had that that uh, assault against a police officer, that uh, that doesn't go well for you, for anybody listening. Like, that's bad. You don't want to do that. So when I show up now, six months later. Well, you can later, now. That was that was well, then. Now you can do whatever you want to cops. Right. You get it. You get it. You get invited to the White House if you uh, spit on a cop. Right. Right. So Sorry, I, I couldn't I, resist. I show up and they, they slap. Uh, they put colored bands on your wrists here in Phoenix jail um, to kind of like designate like how severe of a criminal are we dealing with here? And they put the most severe band on me, a red band. And the guy pulls me off, puts me immediately in an isolation room where I spend like 24 hours there. And he's like, comes in after 24 hours. And he's like, this is going to be bad for you. You know, and from now, from what I understand, it's like, you know, you striking an officer here is going to cost you now that you're back. And so they take me up to a legit, like, this is where the worst of the worst are. It's a really, really isolated. Like the shower is in my cell. There is no... There's concrete uh, bed. They don't give me sheets or anything soft to lay on uh, probably for like a week. I don't see a human face for, I don't know, three weeks. And wow. so I'm in wow. there freaking out, detoxing. And also I've got those tools that they got me in rehab to evaluate myself and I'm lost it. You know, now I'm just in that like loathing self-pity I'm this horrible father. I'm this horrible son. I'm a terrible brother. I'm embarrassment to my family. Yeah. You know, I'm just living in it and no one's showing up to see me anymore. So it's over. Yeah. Best thing that ever happened to me. The judge then, instead of sending me to, to the year automatic that I was going to serve in prison for the violation, she's like the, the people from the rehab, my brother's there. uh, He has a buddy. That's a judge. Like everyone's writing in saying like, give him a, give him one more chance. The judge uh, God bless her. She she goes. You got one more chance. We're going to arrest you to rehab. We're going to arrest you to the outpatient three months after that. So if you don't show up for this shit, you are immediately in violation, and you're going to be serving some severe prison time for that. Right for that. So backed with that, backed with my uh, the support of my family and such. I, I go back to that exact same rehab. I was just there nine months before. I do my 30 days and this time I'm like, fuck it. Whatever you guys tell me to do, I'll do. I'm not going to resist that at all. When you went to rehab the first time, do they tell you, um, watch out for a hot chick with vodka bottle in purse? They would tell you. 100%. The hot chick with the vodka bottle was in my rehab with me. Like we met there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Fucking I love it. (laughs) I fucking love it. Uh, Hey, that must be the craziest thing. At re- yeah, at rehab, I would think like you can't have the boys and girls together. Like, what a great um, supplement! Uh, just shitloads of sex uh, when you're getting off a ten-year bender. Just like, well, I got to do something. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's a whole rabbit hole. 
Yeah. Uh, so are, yeah, are so you? So now are, I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll just do whatever it takes. And, and, and ironically enough, I fall in love again while I'm there. <laughs> so in rehab, in rehab again. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So of course I did. Yeah. And this time though, I'll, I'll say that because I took the advice of wiser people than me, it ended up being an opportunity for me to find out what it was like to have a mature relationship with a with the opposite sex. So imagine if you were my sponsor, right? You're, you're already like, wow, this is a bad idea. But I and know as a sponsor that I'm someone who's been sober for 10 years and is right. like supposed to be there for you 24 hours a day in case some shit gets sideways for you. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Or the counselors there, right? Like they've been down this road before, man. Fuck. They work there. They watch this shit happen all the time. So they've got some good strategy. Yeah. It's textbook shit, shit right? Yeah, it's textbook, right? I, I think I, I have all my friends who've gone to rehab. That I feel like that's what happens. They go if they don't meet someone in rehab, then like at some they go to some a year later they go on some retreat somewhere in like Colorado with like five thousand addicts and and they end up meeting someone there. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah, okay. it, it's like the first and most prominent reason why we go back out to that lifestyle is always sex <laughs> oh okay yeah that too yeah sure love. i'm sorry right. it's always right. because we fall in love right, right. because i mean it's because, a high arousal stimulus it's a treat just like a fucking line of coke right 100 percent. so you can see why that putting your naked body good. against someone else's is, is fun it's just if you don't <laughs> yeah, think that something's wrong with you you're wired wrong yeah so again like, like that comes naturally to us and um and there's nothing wrong with that what's wrong with it is our our, like all the systems that we have set up for like why like right we're not analyzing it like hey you can't just you know act on these like primitive emotions all the time so you have to have some self-control around this type of situation so they tell me like i can't i can't communicate with her now at the end of this stint that we're doing in rehab and i say okay so we don't and she plays along too she's going to be mature too and then when we get out they're like you guys are both going to live in sober livings right which means that she goes and lives uh, in a structured environment with other women who are going through the same thing, led by counselors, right? Now she's going to spend the next three months in a sober living environment, and so am I. And while we're there, we're also not going to meet up and we're not going to communicate. They let us text each other. So they set some ground rules. We both agree we're going to stick and adhere to these ground rules. So three months go by, and this is how we behave. And then we have an opportunity to meet up afterwards, and we do, and we date. And you know what? We figure out we're, we're, we're really probably not made for each other. Uh, and that's okay. Um, I think you're wonderful. And I think, uh, you know, you really helped me through this really difficult time. And you kind of helped me to have like what was my first real mature relationship. And I wish you the best. She says the same to me. And that girl is still sober today. And so am I. Oh, and so we awesome. go on to have another relationship, right? I'll go on and have another relationship and I'll try to behave in that same way because I had so much success. This is the first time I've ever dated somebody who at the end of it, she doesn't hate me. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I do it again and again. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like the model for how do you change someone's psyche? Like how do you change someone's behaviors? Um, it's, it's through positive experiences. Like you, if you, if you want me to change some ill behavior that I have, you know, help me to see, I got to have it first the positive way. And then I got to see that that is better than the way I used to do it. Cause the way I used to do it was lying and manipulating and it caused me all this stress and anguish, even if I didn't realize it, but man, the way of living that I used to have was so 
exhausting compared to the the person I am today. Like I really strive for like honesty, integrity, like character. Like I really do. And it's not because I'm a fucking good person. It's not because I'm a nice person at all. I'm not. My wife will tell you. But it's because that way of life is far, far less stressful and painful than yeah. that. like hey, it's, it's I don't understand why anyone ever buys a pit bull. It's a, <laughs> it's a great dog. It's a sweet dog. I understand. They're so well behaved, they're so loyal. I, I fully get it. Yeah. But do you know how much stress that dog adds to your life? Because unlike a chihuahua that bites is the is the most biting dog in the United States, it bites you and it runs away. When your when your pit bull finally decides to snap, it, it, there is no it's it's not it's it's always going for the kill shot. It's <laughs> right. always going to shake the fucking victim to its death. All my friends who've had pit bulls, I'm like, dude, it's crazy added stress to your life. I bet you Caleb has one. You have a pit bull, huh, Caleb? Oh, I have a border collie. It's oh, already yeah, yeah, enough <laughs> Yeah, that dog Jacob Hetner has. Fucking Jacob. Corgi. Yeah, Corgi. Low stress dog. First of all, you're jackass if you have a dog. I have two. Like, why the fuck did you get a dog? But it's, <laughs> yeah. just, it's just unnecessary stress. But if you get one, then you get one that you're like, have to be on edge. It's going to bite someone. That's what it must have been like hanging out with you back in the day when you were fucking level 10. Yeah, it must have been so stressful. You pull up to the house, and everyone's like, "Fuck, he's here in a stolen car." You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in the bathroom just trying to enjoy some coke. Yeah. And you pull up in a stolen car with the cops following you. No, yeah. <laughs> you suck as a friend. I did. I mean, I would. I mean, yeah. I'm. I'm like my buddies that I that I'm friends with now. They weren't all like me. You know, I, I really veered off the path, and. uh when I would get connected with them, like they would bring me up for like a camping trip up north to like a fancy cabin or something. And they'll tell you like fucking Rob's in the back seat, blacked out at eight o'clock in the morning on the ride up snoring, like, you know, because I just had to dope myself up in order to get there. Then I run out of dope while we're up there. So I'm withdrawing. So I can't come downstairs. So you guys are like downstairs playing cards and I'm out, I'm upstairs passed out withdrawing. And what they don't even know is that I'm, I'm going through all the cabinets in the house of whoever owns this house to try to find pills to make myself feel better. Right. right. And yeah, you're right. It's like, they know that, like they know that they just brought someone sick who they love, like into this environment that was like a vacation and all that stress that I'm causing. And my parents, obviously like the shit that they went through for, Oh, your poor parents. Constantly. Like, they, they couldn't sleep. My mom was like, I, I never slept because I would occasionally come home like every week or two weeks. I bet you they're still stressed out. I would be stressed out that you were going to relapse at all times. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're pretty comfortable at this point. Um, did you have any friends who died? Uh, yeah. Do you have any uh, friends who are who who are still in jail? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so my strongest reason why I do what I do, especially uh, with Barbell Saves, is is because I lost one of my 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 closest best friends. Like uh, she was like a little sister to me. When uh, I was dating my high school, then like high school sweetheart, it was, it was her little sister. Uh, and I, I, I can't help but feel like super responsible. She kind of went down the same path that I went. Uh, well-to-do family, right? Should have succeeded on every level. What Her city time. is this? What city? In Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay, okay. okay. Sorry, go on. So she, so she ends up struggling. And, and in that, you know, we use together. So here's this little girl that like I had an opportunity to play like a big brother role to. And I you know, in hindsight, you're like, I was a terrible mentor, right? I was a terrible model for behavior. Uh, so I feel really guilty about that. So then she starts using and I start using and we interact. 
you know, several times I'm doing drugs and that she'll, she'll always then call me when she doesn't feel safe, which is terrible because I'm not safe. Right. So instead of providing you come to save the day, but bring your whole fucking nightmare with you. hundred percent. Right. And when I cause calling Suge Knight to help you. Yeah, exactly. Like fuck really. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so I get sober. I'm always going back and trying to get her, taking her to meetings, like trying to be a part of her recovery. And uh, I finally just, you know, I can't do it anymore. Um, I'm the owner of a CrossFit gym. I'm building this community. Um, I, I actually would say, like, I just didn't have the time. Like, I didn't have the time. I was, I was married. I had a kid. I went and got custody back of the child that I had n- neglected and abandoned. So, I mean, there's a lot of shit going on. And she gets. And that's a son. You had, you had a son. Yeah. So during my addiction, I had a son. And, and you said he was three, but how old was he when you got him back? He was eight. Nine. Wow. Holy shit. This story is amazing. So. So, so then, sorry. So this girl. Right, so, right. so you so, got sober and this girl from high school is still using. Oh, uh, yeah. Like she's in and out. Right. Like she's in and out. We get her sober. She doesn't stick. Um, and at some point, like six months go by and we don't connect and she passes. She dies. Um of an overdose in her basement. And, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm still to this day, I'm devastated, you know, like the, the, the damage that I did for her. So, uh, she, she's like by far the strongest reason why I do it. Um, every, I think Can about you tell me that thought day. process. Hey, is it, is it, um, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Is it, Hey, I'm going to do this to help other people. So that doesn't happen again. Or yeah. is it, this is your new drug to numb your feelings about um, how you feel about what you did to her. Not that you did it to her. I'm talking about just the story you've created. Obviously you didn't do it to her. We're all responsible, but maybe this business is just a drug to you. Mm, no, I no. mean, th- this is just uh, th- what I, what I do with CrossFit is, is my calling. It's, it's not my job. I know it's my calling because for the first, I don't know, fuck seven years, I didn't get paid. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no money in it. I didn't need money in it. I wanted everyone to experience what I had experienced when I first walked into a CrossFit gym. And that's true. hundred percent. I knew what I wanted to do the first day I walked into a CrossFit gym and it was in a garage and they had 12 members and we did a baseline workout. What year? Know, what year? 2012, 2000, maybe 2013. Okay. Um, so yeah, so Jenny passes and that uh, is still to this day kind of like, when, when I have to do a difficult thing, like, like coming on this podcast with you makes me super nervous, but then I'm just like, for her, just think of her. And I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter what you think. Right. right? Like it doesn't right. fucking matter. It might actually help someone out there. That's like her. And I'm not fucking turning my back on anyone ever again. So why do people like, so sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. So yeah. So, uh, that that becomes my like strongest reason why i mean that and my kid that and my family like you know i'm i'm never going to put my parents through that that they don't they don't deserve that they're now my parents are older like they're in their late 70s now and i took away their 50s yeah i took away their late 40s and 50s i did that for them <clears throat> like i you know i mean how much you love your kids like i i only know that now the right. is, is that you would think like, well, didn't you love your kids when you were on drugs and shouldn't that have pulled you out of addiction? Absolutely not. You don't know shit about addiction. <laughs> That's the point is that I choose drugs over every single thing I love. That's why I do that. 
right? That's why I can sit there, get high on crystal meth and stare at a picture of my child and go, lucky for him, he's not with me. You know, I can, oh, go, wow, wow. I can okay. justify it. Okay. Well, I'm a piece of shit. He deserves better. I hope he finds better, right? Instead of picking myself up and fixing myself and being the father he deserves, I have an excuse. <laughs> I'm a drug addict. Isn't it weird how drugs do that? It yeah. goes from, hey, let's do some meth and get naked and drink and fuck all night to fucking three months later, you fucking hate yourself for doing them. Oh, yeah. And you can't stop. Yeah, you know your life's shit and you can't and it's textbook it's not like like we could get 30 people together who've had your life and your stories will just be slightly different you were in a honda they were in a toyota you did six months they did three months you know it it, uh i mean god thankfully you never killed anyone no and you know like in a car accident that's what i always wonder i always trip on like the poor people who i mean both sides the person who gets killed but getting killed by people who are on drugs like drunk driving or delusions or that's what we say like the severity, right, can can differ. Like where my experiences took me can be different. Now, had I stayed in addiction for another 10 years? Yeah, maybe I do kill somebody. Maybe, though, I didn't have to do that. And maybe I get help after the first year that I'm addicted, right? And now the story that I'm telling you is way different. And that's Do you what- look back and see that? Do you, do you look at your 10 years ever and been like, oh, fuck, there was a freeway exit there. I probably should have jumped on that motherfucker, but I didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's thousands. There's tens of thousands of, you know, times that I could have gotten help or or deviated. But um, that's the other thing is it's not it's not one decision. Like when we look when we drive by people uh, on the side of the road and we're like, damn, that fucker's fucked up. Why doesn't he just make a decision to have a different life? Well, that's ignorant. Like he's got so many more issues than one. Like he's not he doesn't just get to. To even if you take him off drugs, he's got a slew of other things that he needs to overcome, right? And that's where that's where we are, like barbell. Like that's what we do here. Is when you right, say slew of other things, you mean Uncle Buck molested him when he was five. His uncle yeah. fucking beat him when he was twelve. Yeah, all, uh, the all that, that shit. Die. Like all the trauma now that he's okay. experienced because of his life. Yeah, he needs to. He's got a. But maybe all the life skills he's missed out on. I couldn't yeah. write a letter when I got clean at thirty-one. I dropped out of high school when I was a senior. Like I was missing a lot of life skills. So cool. I'm sober. I'm kind, but I don't know shit. Have <laughs> so, you ever been out of the country? No. Oh. Mexico. And, and did, did you do drugs there? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's scary. That's a, for me, that's always like the test of someone who's batshit crazy. <laughs> still a like, car in mexico yeah that shit's crazy like i would go I, I would be with like um alcoholics outside of the country and they would get drunk like at a bar and some like in like fucking africa and i'm like yo dude like i like drinking just as much as you but like we're we're not at home and you right. fucking don't know your name anymore yeah for sure yeah, yeah then you're i think about that all the time i'm like what the fuck man you guys were stealing a car at like four o'clock in the morning high with a bag of cocaine in your pocket and you're driving around Mexico. We got pulled over and uh, we paid our way out of the ticket. Thank God. Like, I mean, yeah, it was crazy, but yeah, I mean, I did a lot of crazy things uh, that uh, I I don't know why, uh, except for the, you know, possibly someone was looking out for me and I had a greater purpose, but how often are you tempted? Oh, never, never. No. 
How can that be? Um, even yesterday, I was thinking about nicotine. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I drink caffeine and stuff. But but you you never you never have the um like every day there isn't a moment where you're like oh I'd like a drink or God doing just a I just would just snort a line of flour right now I just want to just it, it that doesn't come up every day no but I do dream about it which is weird and in my oh dream, and so you wake up and you're like oh fuck thank God I yeah, didn't do that but even like, what's fucked up is I swear to God I had this dream last night and I was in my dream I used ecstasy uh huh. What's weird is that, like, for some crazy reason, like, the personality that I had in my dream last night was, like, the old me. And it's, like, the old excuses were there and, like, me using and, like, how easy that was. It was strange because, like you said, like, do I ever have urges? And it's, like, no, I don't. But oddly enough, like, when I'm in my dreams, sometimes I do. <laughs> but And are you ecstatic when you wake up and it's a dream? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have had these dreams so vividly that over time – I started to question my own length of sobriety where I'm like, Oh yeah. Didn't I drink like at this bar? I could see it so clear in my head. Right. And maybe I'm having this kind of like reoccurring dream during the first five years that I'm like, I don't know that I, wait, why didn't, didn't I drink with so-and-so that one time? And they like, let it slide. <laughs> like that was weird. I had this, I had this friend who was a girl. She was actually ex-girlfriend and she used to, and she had a, uh, with her new boyfriend, she was always having these dreams that he was cheating on her. And they were so vivid, it fucked their relationship up. Yeah. Like yeah. it made her fucking paranoid. I'm like, dude, he's not cheating on you. She's like, well, she could, she'd wake up just pissed. <laughs> yeah. I think every, I mean, I don't know about every guy, but my wife has had that dream uh, a few times. Where and like, you're in trouble. Crazy. You're like, I didn't do it. I didn't like, do it. Not real. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but no, like going back to like just the, do I ever have the urges? A lot of people do. So I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just, do you ever mess like, with nicotine? Did you ever smoke? Yeah, I was a smoker. Yeah, I smoked packs pa- a pack a day until I couldn't afford it, and then I would steal cigarette butts out of trash cans and like off the ground in front of Circle K and shit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was. I, I didn't. Quit Is relapsing. So the power of exercise, right? Like one of the benefits that we know about exercise is that it does help those that are, let's say, um, that, that smoke or use nicotine to curtail that. Um, and then your your likelihood of quitting smoking is increased by like fifty percent if you That's are. Why a I quit? That's why I quit. Me at too. 30, at, at thirty four, I was like, "Shit, this is not going to work." CrossFit and smoking, like something. That's not my friend time. Yeah, fucking yeah, up my yes. friend time. And this fucker at the gym is beating me. And the only difference between me and him is he doesn't smoke. So let's see if I don't smoke if I can kick his ass. Right. So I I smoked for the first year that I was. Uh, sober so i was living in the sober living i was still smoking uh still going to the gym like globo gym in it and just bench pressing until i hit 315 and like i did it i achieved it um was that like like, your high school max and so you wanted to get back to it or something no no No, that's just like that was my that was my motivation at just another okay i was hiking and i was doing bench press and i I was working out for the first year like full on Goggins style, wake up at four o'clock in the morning, hit the mountain up and down, up and down. So this is where like my obsession with exercise comes in. Was I addicted to it? Fine. I don't care. Right. <laughs> you say whatever you want. I wasn't using drugs or hurting anybody. So I'm going up and down the mountain. I'm, I'm exercising somewhere in the ballpark of like five to six hours legit a day with a nap in between. My parents are more than, more than happy to support that dream. Um, and about six months into that, I'm like, I'm really obsessed with this. Maybe I should make this a career. So I go to school for personal training and nutrition at a community college. 
I'm going to become a personal trainer at like LA fitness. And so a couple of my old friends catch wind of like, dude, Rick Robbie's like, he's on fire. Like he's this fitness guy now, super fit. Um, were you starting to like yourself at this point? Did you like, yeah, like I mean, I wasn't like working at all. Like I didn't have anything to point at there, but the self of like, I had so much pride, um, in what I was accomplishing physically, right. That it spilled out into like legitimate confidence. Right. And so I was, I was like, I, I feel pretty good about myself. Like I'm doing things that my brothers who are super successful, right. They're not doing that. They can't do what I do. So like, I did find a lot of pride in like the physical, the manifestation of like that physical work that I did, it did lead me to, to feel more like confident and achieved. Right. And I what about your son at this time? Is that still like the, the kind of the weak link in your armor? Like, does that pop up in your head and you're like, he's not there. I see him for like an hour every Sunday. Okay. Uh, through like a visitation. And, um, and it's not enough for you. Do you, do you feel like it's not enough for you or you need more? You're of my son. Yeah. No. No. Okay. No. So, so it's still good. Had, it's good. I still had some residual tendencies. Right. And one of those was I didn't feel worthy of being a parent. Okay. Right. I probably had a lot of trauma. That sounds that. almost kind of healthy at that point. Right. I was like, I'm in no condition to take care of a child. I still have almost nothing to offer. Now I will meet my wife within the first year and a half of my recovery. And one of the first things that my wife notices is my uninvolvement in my child's life. Yeah. And she says, I can't be with a man who knowingly leaves his son with someone who is addicted to drugs. So we knew at that time that it was very likely that she, his mother, was still using drugs. Remember, we started using drugs together. She just never, uh, it never escalated for her. She was still on painkillers daily, right? And she was masking that um, pretty well. So my wife comes into the picture and, you know, here's this new set of eyes on the situation. And she's like, you, you have more to offer him than she does. And even though you live in a 10 by 10 bedroom that you're renting from some CrossFit dude, right? Like just because you don't have a paycheck doesn't mean that you don't have a good head on your shoulders and an environment that would be better for him. And I can't be with you if you don't see that. And I was like, ouch, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I was like, fuck me. So we went to a lawyer and we started that process. I was like, all right, here's the deal. Um, I want to get custody of my kid. You know, I know that she's using drugs and I want to see what that looks like. So it took nine months. It took over $15,000 that my family helped me with. And we, uh, we got custody. She, uh, she ended up, his mother ended up coming and peeing dirty 27 times in a row. Every week for 27 weeks. What drug? What drug? She would test positive for alcohol, marijuana, um, opiates, uh, you know. Everything. Like, yeah, okay. just kind of everything. Okay. So it wasn't just that she was just drinking and smoking weed. She was. Right. I mean, but yeah, no, 100%. I, and I, I don't I don't mean to say that uh, any kid should have to tolerate a uh, alcoholic, but I'm but I'm just trying to. Pay no, no, for sure. But I mean, if I came and, and they came and said, hey, Savon, I'm taking your kids unless you can go 30 days without testing positive for a substance. Yeah. OK, I, I would know. go. I would but, make sure that I was clean and then I would kill those people. Exactly. I mean, that's that's totally just. <laughs> but yeah, you get it. Like, that's that's how it was for us. So. So, yeah. So that's Dude, why can I'm you asking. imagine that? What, is she alive now? Mom? 
Um, yes, I believe so. I think she, she'd move states, though. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that's really hard. I mean, like, there's, that's really hard on my, uh, my now 16-year-old. So now I've got a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Um, and ever since we've taken him, I mean, he's excelled. Um, yeah. My, my wife is a physical therapist. She's gotten her, you know, doctorate in physical therapy. She's, she's really good at school. Something I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So being around someone like, I mean, just, just for me personally, just watching my wife work is like mind blowing, you know, and watching her teach my son the skills that she has. I'm like, wow, if I would have had you when I was like, yeah. you know, when I was eight, nine years old. So yes, I'm super grateful for my wife. Uh, she's yeah, that's Lauren. And you have another child to, you have a child together. Yeah. So then we have a six year old now. Um, that picture is from probably like two years ago and, uh, almost yeah, three. That, that three years ago, that's Oliver. And that's our, that's our little boy. Uh, and that relationship between Oliver and Kyler, uh, is magical. Yeah. It gave, you know, Kyler went through a lot of shit. Yeah. And there was a lot of concern bringing Oliver into that mix, like how that would go. And, and Kyler just attached himself to Oliver and played the big brother role, like so lovingly. And the, the reciprocation of that love for Kyler is like the greatest gift ever. Right. Cause he's got like, he's got his own purpose. He is the big brother. He is the mentor. He teaches Oliver things, you know, he's super supportive of him. So Oliver's of course going to be the super athlete, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to play a sport until he was 10. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't shy away from that. He teaches Oliver everything he can, you know, like he's, he's his biggest supporter, his biggest fan and Oliver is Kyler's biggest fan. So it's a really cool relationship. Um, I, I want to go pick up the story. At, so when you're, when you're doing, when you're training, you go to personal training school. Uh, this is like probably 2011, 2012. When does a CrossFit pop on your radar? And then you said you were renting a room from a CrossFitter. Yeah. Yeah. So like one year. So first, first of all, I spend about eight or nine months in a sober living. I move out of the sober living with one of the guys from that sober living shortly after another guy that I went to rehab. Is that smart? Are you supposed to do that? Are you supposed to move out with another uh, former addict? What's the policy on that? There's no policy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so shortly after now there's three of us in this house. Uh, two of us that have almost, let's say a year we've been in recovery we're doing pretty well. Uh, the other then comes in with a little bit less time shortly thereafter. He brings in a girl shortly thereafter. They start using shortly thereafter. They rob us and steal all of the furniture. They, uh, they, bait oh, us awesome. away by, they call us and say, Hey, we're broken down on the freeway. Can you come get us? So we get up out of our chairs. We drive fucking 30 minutes away to go pick them up. Big surprise. There ain't nobody there. Oh, they this back, is awesome. They backed the U-Haul up to the house and fucking looted it. Every piece of furniture. I come home. I'm livid. The guy that I'm living with, he had guns and valuable shit. I did it. But, you know, he took a laptop and like all this. I mean, I didn't have much. Right. Everything is gone. And I'm like fuck you guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> like I'm on my own from now on. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, and I, what did they buy? They just wanted drugs. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were just high. Yeah. That I, dude, I, that dude, that dude is sober today. That guy got his shit together. Both of the guys there, the one that I was living with relapsed, the other that was using, he did get sober. And both today are married kids, happy and sober. And that's pretty awesome. 
I, I let um uh, in college I let homeless dudes stay in my backyard. Shitloads of them. When I say homeless, I mean drug addicts. Shitloads <laughs> of them. And their favorite drugs were heroin and meth. Right. There's lots of fucking Dremel grinding going on 24 hours a day in that backyard on bike parts and shit. It was crazy. Shitloads. Yeah. And one day I come home from. I'm in college and I come home from college and I enter the living room and there's a dude fucking nodding off on my cat couch. And like, he's kind of like the kid, he's like the, the, the oldest guy there and he's like allowed to come in the house and shit and he's on heroin. And I'm like, Hey dude, where's my bike? And he's like, I sold it. <laughs> and I was just like, I just went, I'm like, okay. And I was like, okay, noted. You you if you let these dudes live here like I wasn't even pissed but I just remember like okay you can't have anything right at least he was blunt and oh they like, didn't care awesome. he's just uh, like no, I sold that I, I, I sold it I sold yeah it. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking asshole yeah yeah it's like sure. seven year old dude nodding off on my couch sold my bike okay sorry so here so, so that happens I I. I get introduced from another friend who, like I said, is like, look at this guy. So, sorry, this guy, I had my roommate steal my 10 speed to buy steroids. I fucking yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I love that shit. That's sad. Uh, yeah. So then I get into CrossFit. Uh, like I said, like a friend of mine introduces me that he's going to CrossFit. This is the guy when you say, fuck it, I'm not, I'm not hanging with the drug addicts anymore. Uh, I'm going to live and you rent a room from a guy who's a CrossFitter. Yeah, that's kind of, I think I moved back in with my mom and dad for like uh, all of like two months. Oh, that's and cool. In that amount of time, uh, somebody brings me to a garage gym. It's on like an acre piece of land. And the dude is like, a, he owns like a landscape company. And he's got like a thousand square foot garage. And we've got like a little gym in there. He's got 12 members. He's a real affiliate at the time. And so it's my first experience. And I do my first workout. What about your pride at that point? What about the kid inside of you that's like, fuck you, don't tell me what to do? Was that kid still alive? Was he like, I bench 315. I'm not doing these 65-pound thrusters or no? Oh, man. No, man. I think that like early on, like I just – I became like a learner and like I really liked learning. I, I was obsessed with with fitness, with science, with – I mean the, okay. the stream, I was like a sponge. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, there's so much information. You okay, you're making up for lost time. Cool. You're making yeah, up the last time. Okay. I think I had the right attitude for that time period in my life. I was like, I have got an opportunity to do whatever the fuck I want. I know I'm a 31, but I am not stuck in anything. Like I can be anything I want to be. So I will do only what I fucking love. People were offering me jobs like, dude, my friend can get you a job at Home Depot. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> That's not yeah, what I want to yeah. do. Right. I want to do something around exercise. Like I'm obsessed with helping people get fit. Like, I love that idea. Um, and so, yeah, so I do CrossFit. And the cool thing about the way that it was back then and the way that it was in that specific location was it was so small and accessible that I saw myself doing it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait. Oh. I can get an affiliate. I can get certified. I can get an affiliate. I can start it in my garage with two fucking rowers. I crunch the numbers. I know 12 people. More <laughs> specifically, like, your parents' garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can I start this my in mom, my parents' my garage. Dad, my two brothers, their wives, and I'm like, holy shit, we've got seven members. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we're yeah, doing yeah. it. I like. I it. mean, seriously. So I go back home that same that day to my parents, and I'm like, I know exactly what I want to do. Like, I want to own a CrossFit gym, but that CrossFit gym. I want to own a little CrossFit gym, and I'm going to run a little studio, and I'm going to be a CrossFit coach. So I go back to my the guy that owns the company, and I'm like, uh, 
what do I got to do to to own one of these or whatever, or to coach? And he's like, it, it's been your second day. Uh, you're going to need <laughs> to do this for at least a year. And what I was, was the like, workout that they put you through in that, that, that first time. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a, it was a baseline test of like 40 calorie row or maybe 500 meter row, 40 air squats, 30 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, 10 pull-ups. That's what Gary did in killing the fat man. I remember I took him to like a gym in, uh, maybe it was like, what was it? CrossFit ocean beach or something. That's what they put him through. Fuck it. Bro- I watched broke that him video off. in that yeah. space. I watched yeah. that video of that dude. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a great baseline. I mean, you could, you could break someone off. With the I squats, feel like most gyms use that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I felt it, you know, like again, I, I was, I was a good athlete and I played team sports. I was a quarterback in high school. I was a really good baseball player in high school. Uh, if it wasn't for my attitude, I probably had a chance. I've tried out for like uh, the Rockies, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Now I get brought into this right now. I'm sober. I'm obsessed with fitness. And somebody introduces me to this like team sport fitness thing yeah. that I never heard of. And I was like, this is it. This yeah. combines everything I love. This is co-ed fucking sports. Uh, this is competition. Uh, and it's really strong great. dopamine hit. Oh, yeah. I felt <laughs> yeah, great. Strong. Yeah. And like you said, like here I was at the time, I was probably 255 pounds of just meat, you know? And I was like, I am not fit. I am not fit. <laughs> I am not in shape. I how, how tall are you? I'm five, ten and a half. Okay. So <laughs> two, so two fifty, you're huge. You're fucking yeah. I'm two hundred pounds now. I'm two hundred okay. pounds now. Okay. So I was big. Um and I remember my old lifting buddy that I used to go to the Globo gym with. We wanted to be so big that we couldn't fit through a doorway, that we had to turn sideways. Yeah. We wanted to be that dude. I want to be so fucking big. People have to get the fuck out of my way when I'm walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. It's <was> strange. <laughs> so now I so now I do one workout and I'm like, fuck that idea. I want to be an athlete again. Like I want to be fast, explosive. I want to jump fucking high. I want to dunk a basketball. Like I want to do all these things. And I think this is the vehicle for that. So I start, you know, obsessing over becoming a coach. So I start learning about Olympic weightlifting and gymnastics and, you know, all these things. I start diving into diet, nutrition. My mom and dad, all the while, they're supporting this, right? I don't have to have a job as long as I'm doing well and as long as I'm doing this. What did your mom and dad do for a living? My dad is a, owns his own business. Uh, okay. He owns like a, a, a large business. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's wealthy, but he had enough money to support you know, my, the extra thousand bucks or whatever it was a month to keep me going. Yeah. And so, like he said, my dad's fucking incredible. He was like, you know, I paid for your brother's colleges. You never went to college. Let's just call it even, right? Like I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get you as close to this as we can. And this included helping me start my first CrossFit gym, buying me into a partnership, you know, putting 20 grand up to help me do this. My dad's just got that attitude about money. Like he doesn't really give a shit about money. He gives a shit about, you know, uh, you (laughs) more than money. As long as he's okay. And as long as his wife's okay, like he's going to help the family however he can. Um, And he'll always go down as being like my, my fucking hero and model for that. Like, so, you know, help your family. That's awesome. Um, So, yeah. So we, so I go down that hole, you know, I'm like, I drink the Kool-Aid as they say, and I'm obsessed with CrossFit. Um, after a year or about six months or so, you know, I'm, I'm now like 
fucking shredded beef. I'm like 187 pounds. Wow. Flying like a, I ran my 526 mile, you know, hitting 400 pound back squat, like all that kind of stuff. I was like fit. And so I knew that I wanted to be that kind of coach. I knew I wanted to be able to show you uh, what the program could do. And I also wanted to be the type of coach that could like demonstrate everything. Right. So that did you take your L1? Yeah, I took my L1. I had like Chris Beeler and Chan and Sherry, yeah, Sherry Chan, Matt Chan. What's uh, what's Camille's husband's name? Dave Lipson. And Dave Lipson. Yeah. I had no, no, that. no. Sorry, Camille's husband. That's his name. Oh um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> w- w- uh, and but it did, and and then you so you went to this garage gym. Then you got super. You just immediately started obsessing. I'm assuming you just devoured every video you could, the yeah. journal, and then. And then when did you, then you took your L1 and what, and then you immediately opened Hammer CrossFit? Nope. No. Nope. Then we opened a uh, North Valley CrossFit, which was uh, at that time. So cute. Oh, that's your L1. Holy shit. Good find, Caleb. I'm not even, in, I'm not in that picture. <laughs> that's your L1. Oh, no, and, Zach, and Zach, and Zach was, that was uh, Zach yeah, and Zach Adrian. Horth. Yeah. All those there. dudes were there. Yeah. That's a good one. Look at Adrian Connor. Yeah. It was a good yeah. one. Wow. Really cool. Um, so yeah. So where were you in this picture? I don't know. I'm not in that picture. I think I was just the team like taking a picture and I was, I was more impressed with them. Um, yeah. So then I, I start coaching. We, so what, so we end up partnering that guy that had the garage gym. Yeah. I become a third partner, which is a terrible deal if it's going to be your full-time job. And, and that's, and that's North Valley CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. It's no longer in existence. And okay. so I, I work, I coach every class just about, right? I'm doing like 40 classes a week, but I want to because I, I read a Malcolm Gladwell book and I want my 10,000 hours as fast as I can fucking get it. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, no, I'll take it. Oh, if we're adding that. a 5 a.m. class, fuck it. It's mine, you know? I'm run, yeah. I'm jogging to the gym at four o'clock in the morning and coaching my 5 a.m. class. I'm, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like I'll coach Most purpose you've ever had in your life? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just like clear as day, you know, still to this day. It hasn't shaped a bit. It's what I want to do. And so 18 months of that, we get somewhere in like the 50, 60 member. Uh, our partnership's not great. Um, in hindsight, I was a pretty like I was a train wreck. Like, what did I know? Uh, he took me under his wing and allowed me the opportunity to to learn more about business and, you know, that, that whole side of it. But I was still pretty like raw, you know, and I, I wasn't good at working with others. <laughs> so... Uh, I do meet my wife while I'm there. Uh, friends of hers introduce us. We do a CrossFit workout together. That's our very first workout uh, as a couple. I mean, not as a couple, but that's our first interaction. Yeah, yeah. She shows up. She gets out of her car. She's absolutely stunning. She's gorgeous. She's younger than me. And again, in my head, that like voice of self-doubt, like, <laughs> I'm like, you idiots. You have no idea how far out of my league that girl is, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So she comes in and I'm like super calm and I have fun with her and I have no expectations that it's going to work out. And that ends up being, you know, the most real me that I can present. And she ends up falling in love with that guy. Wow. And, you know, we, uh, I end the relationship with North Valley CrossFit. I, I'm engaged. We're pregnant. I've got now my kid and I'm living off of $500 a month. That's what I, that's the check that we're cutting my, my end of the deal from that CrossFit gym is 500 yeah. a month. So even in hindsight, you're like, Hey, that we good for you guys. Like, at least we got to that, that point. Um, had we stuck it out longer, we maybe could have done better, but 
we know and, that and you're working well over 40 hours a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all day, every day, seven days a week. So then Lauren and I, uh, we leave that partnership. We start our own CrossFit gym it's called CrossFit Uru. U R U spelled out like the metal in Thor's hammer. Okay. We start that affiliate, uh, after about six months of leaving there. And, uh, that's where we are today. That has now become Hammer CrossFit Central. So the name change itself is an attempt that me and a buddy have that owns three CrossFit gyms here in Phoenix, not in Phoenix, but in other cities. Uh, and we tried to take all four and rebrand them as one, like one branded name. But again, uh, just too many issues and uh, differences in opinions. It just didn't pan out the way we wanted it to. And uh, we called it, you know, we just like, fuck it. We're just going back to the way it was. And, and we did. So I'm and, stuck and then you kept, But you kept the name. I'm stuck with the name right now. My, my okay. wife and uh, my head coach are, are pushing to go back to this. Go back to CrossFit Uru. Okay. It's in, the, it's in that space. Hammer. Oh, because the other one, there was a CrossFit Hammer East, CrossFit yeah. Hammer West. Okay, exactly. okay, 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 that's, okay. Yeah, that's one of my buddies. Okay. So in that space, though. We, I start running free classes for people in recovery. Um, Tell me about that idea. How does that idea pop in? So, so I'd, I'd always had that idea ever since uh, back at the old, oldest gym, you know, I was like, man, people in recovery would really benefit from this. It like offers so much more to that specific uh, community than anyone realizes you know, all the things that we're struggling with, right? Isolation, loneliness, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, self-confidence, uh, self-confidence. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just checking all the boxes. The more I learn about uh, addiction, right. And, and all of these things, I'm like, Oh yeah. CrossFit does all those things. Like that's what CrossFit does. That's what CrossFit does. And I'm like, dude, we need to have a CrossFit gym for people in recovery. Uh, I learned about this girl named Chrissy McRae from black iron gym. And she starts this program called reps for recovery. And kind of like when Bannister breaks the four minute mile, it's like someone else did it. And I was like, that means I can do it. Like I'm going right. to do it. So right. I'm going to fucking start running free classes for people in recovery. So I start going to me. Hey, um, uh, Rob, don't people already know at that point? Um, hey, this guy, Rob owns this CrossFit gym. He used to be an addict. I'm going to bring, did you have clients who, who you were already giving, were giving free classes to? No, but I mean, who, I had, who were addicts? I had members that were like, I would always talk about my recovery. Like, I always, I'm the type of person who, like, it's, it's good for me to talk to you. Like, it, it, I always like to build strong personal relationships with people. I would say that's the one thing that I'm good at. Like, right. I don't, I don't need to be good at anything else. That's like where I, that's where I pride myself on. So, in that, I'm always going to divulge that I'm in recovery. Like, it's therapeutic, it's also safe, right? That way Savan doesn't offer me a, a fucking right. tonic after the show. Yes. You know, <laughs> like I want to be up front with people. I don't wear my tight shorts and, and a, bring a bottle of vodka in my backpack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So, yeah. So, I mean, but no, I mean, we had originally asked CrossFit if the name could be uh, CrossFit Rehab and they rejected. I only said one in one name. I was like, fucking know what the name is. Call me CrossFit Rehab. It's going to be fucking amazing. And they rejected yeah. it. And then like nine attempts later, they're like CrossFit Uru. You can have that name. And I was like, I don't even really want it, <laughs> but okay. 
So I started running free classes out of there. It's really disorganized. Um, I stick with it, even though there's like one person showing up. A treatment center nearby starts bringing in their clients. Their clients and their staff are all in recovery. So now all of a sudden, you know, I got like 20 people using the service. I and that's think- exciting, right? Because that's like a contract. Like, like Susan gets these contracts with the Air Force for special, like their special forces training. Now you got the contract you want. You have a whole it's hospital. Like you have a rehab. Yeah, yeah like but, but it's for former addicts. Right, but I'm not getting yeah. paid. I didn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to like actually ask that company to pay for it. Oh, that. So, shit. Wow. So I, I did it for free for two years because uh, it was awesome. It felt right. Okay. The I owner of that company, and this is a, I believe it's a large company. I'm not going to say how big. It is a large company. That owner. Millions in revenue. Millions and millions in revenue. Yeah, he's, he's, an, he's incredible. X-Ranger, fucking badass. From afar, right, he watches, I guess, this develop, right? And he takes notice. He says, after watching this go on for years, um, and we were then more formalized because we became a nonprofit after about 18 months of doing that. Uh, One of my members who is uh, my COO of the Barbell Saves Project current, she comes in from Mexico and she sees the Barbell Saves Project written up on the wall. She's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's free classes for people in recovery. And she's like, that's pretty fucking cool. She starts attending those classes. And she's like, you know, I'm a professor at ASU School of Social Work. Why don't you come and meet the director there? So I do. I pitch it to her. One thing leads to another. Now I've got a board. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real 5013C. And I'm, all these doors are starting to open up. And one of those doors is this dude. And he's like, why don't you build your own gym just for this business. And it had never even occurred to me, right? I was like, I'm going to stay like Chrissy McRae inside my CrossFit gym. And if, if the nonprofit gets to a point where it actually, you know, gets such so many donations, maybe then it can compensate the CrossFit gym and, you know, pay rent and all this kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, the great. addicts can, su- um, um, supplement. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ever see this. I a- fucking love it. I never saw it as a financial benefit until then. I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. But then you're this an addict and you really want to build your confidence. Look, you're paying for these, so the, these non addicts to work out. Right. <laughs> well, we need new equipment, damn it. So, okay. Yeah. 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 So this, so then this is the first time that someone uh, approaches me about like, you, you need your own space and how to go about that. Right. And so more people start flooding in from the community. Right. And this, these people from, Mercy care, let's just say, like they're an insurance payer uh, here in the Valley. We're, we have Medicaid, right? All the money that we give to all this free healthcare stuff. They come in and they're like, you know, no one has ever done what you're doing as a provider, like a real organization, right? Like a legit thing that can bill insurance for what it's doing. And we actually would love to see you try. Like no one's ever done it before. There's no like, there's no information on that. No one has ever done that before. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like be the first. Yeah. I love that idea. So let me make sure I understand this. Basically set up a, a, a basically your, this place barbell saves behind you. This would be um, clients could use their insurance to pay for their memberships. 100%. Okay. 100%. That's the goal, right? Uh-huh. So that process is insane. It's arduous. It's complicated. It's near impossible. And you don't even and you don't even write letters. I don't even know how to do that. So <laughs> right. it takes a team. <laughs> it takes a right. bunch of other right. people smarter than me. They uh, so now we're we're in the CrossFit space. 
a year later, the guy that had said, Hey, we should build a gym. He comes <laughs> back and he says, I've got a spot on that ends up being a shit. You not a half a mile away from my CrossFit gym. And it is a coincidence. 100%. If you, if you can believe it, it's like, well, shit, that's convenient for me. <laughs> it's right you know, across the street. Do you know the boon? Not that not that Rogue Fitness isn't doing extremely well and isn't an amazing part of the community. But do you know how much that that would t- that would? I mean, I, I hear about these six hundred thousand square foot facilities that Rogue has that he's built from scratch and how he's revitalized neighborhoods and the thousand employees he has in Columbus. But imagine if the insurance industry—I mean, the insurance industry, the pharmaceutical companies—do not want fucking fitness tapping into their um, money that they get from the insurance companies, right? The insurance companies, the big pile of money and the pharmaceutical companies are like, give it to me. Imagine what that would do yeah, to companies like Rogue. If, if fucking the insurance companies were like, yeah, we're going to put a hundred billion towards worldwide toward. Oh fuck. I mean, that's why, I mean, that would why be I mean, nuts. Pharma I mean, would hate that. They would hate that. CrossFit needs to pay attention to what we're doing. Uh, yeah. There are other organizations that do what we do, but what we're doing is very different. Um, did it happen? How did that process go? Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just so, thinking about all the money. Yeah, we're three years. We're three years in business. We've just celebrated our three first. years in business. Collect and, and insurance companies pay for their memberships. No, no, not yet. Okay. No, no, we're one year into this facility. So this facility behind me, seven thousand square feet. Wow. Uh, it is solely dedicated to CrossFit. Right. We provide free CrossFit classes all throughout the day. The first year of that was us. Uh, one COVID was just ending the construction on this place took like eight months. Uh, uh, COVID will, COVID will never end. Just to be clear. You mean the COVID response was ending just to right. Be right. Exactly. Okay, okay. Right. Um, so the, the, the facility that, that's behind me, we've been operating in for over a year, but I was the only W2 employee. So we only had me and three other part-time employees. One still acting as a professor full-time at ASU and two uh, CrossFit coaches uh, putting in, I don't know, probably 10 hours each. So most of what we've been doing for the past year is basically becoming this thing called a peer-run community service agency. It's a designation that allows us um, to bill. It's not something you apply for overnight and that you just get in the mail and like, okay, cool, now you can bill insurance companies. So that process is now done. We are grant funded at the moment. We uh, we just received an, a, another round of grants from that insurance company, Mercy Care, which is the largest in Arizona in like what's called the central region, like where all of our big Scottsdale, Arizona, Tempe, uh, Phoenix, Glendale, Peoria, so on. That's all under Mercy Care, right? So Mercy Care paid for this gym, paid for my employees. Um, and they just gave us a, a, a new grant right now um, that allowed us to bring on five additional full-time coaches. We call them coaches. Hey, is that stressful um, kind of being at the mercy of Mercy Care year by year? Uh, no. Yes. Because yeah, basically yeah. you're running a gym where not a single client pays money. Well, right. Sure. Or, or you can look at it like I own a CrossFit gym across the street that has one revenue stream, right? Memberships. Yeah. Uh, this company has three revenue streams. It has grants, donations, and billing. So I have three. Oh, so people can pay to go there too. They can donate. Sure. No, but you yeah. said billing. What's billing? 
billing, billing insurance. So I can bill insurance. I can get a grant. Now, grants are different than billing. So this whole place is built off the back of grants, not insurance. So, but so billing hasn't ha- started yet. No, we. I mean, no. Okay. No. <laughs> but that's that would be amazing. Yeah, when we 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 can. I mean, we legitimately could here in the next week if we wanted to. I, I would say, but right now we're really laying down like uh, the foundation to make sure that all of that runs seamlessly. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to that. And again, I don't have a background in that. So uh, this, this grant funding didn't just bring in five CrossFit coaches. It brought in other like administration professionals to start that end of the business to, to handle the more complex issues. So Rob, this is all relationship. This is all because of relationships you've built with people. Everything we've just talked about in the last 25 minutes, it's all just basically trust. People have had trust in people trust you. It's amazing what happens when you just are honest and you treat people really well. Amazing. I mean, nothing else. If, if pe- these people didn't trust you, this the whole, this none of the. I mean, it's it's all hinged on this abstract idea of trust. Oh yeah, I mean, like you just brought up a picture of my head coach Tammy. Yeah. Tammy's a she's a very very high level CrossFitter. She's fifty four years old, one of the fittest fifty four year old women in the world. Yeah, she looks pretty damn fit. She fucking trusts me, dude. Like, I mean. You know, it's it's been a promise that I have been trying to keep to her for a long time. We just brought her on. Now, she moved from Iowa because she loves CrossFit so much to be a CrossFit coach at a small CrossFit gym. That gym's out of business. I pick her up. I bring her in the hammer. She is a coach there. Then we have an opportunity through Barbell. We hire her there. She's she's also got a great story. And uh she just excelled. I mean, she's just a fucking stud. And I'm so glad that you're putting her picture up there because she absolutely loves you. She has a little crush on you, and it's really great that we're putting this up there right now. She loves Matt Sosa's voice. She she loves your brutal honesty. <laughs> like this hey. is the shit that they tell me. Is, um, so yeah, um, so this so now so now like you know, here's this this person who loves CrossFit so much and, and being able to give her like a real job, a paying job in CrossFit is fucking surreal and all my prospect coaches that are listening to this know that i've i mean like this is a job that pays well this is a job that has benefits this is like it's such a cool fucking thing that i wish all crossfit gyms were like this yeah this is this is an awesome story so that gym behind you is a seven thousand square foot facility let me see how well i was listening and has it been open for three years or one year this one's been open for one year one year and um anyone the all the members there train uh for free and they are all former addicts correct what what about what about um non what about uh isn't it important to have a a mixed group of people to have some non-addicts in there too or no uh no fuck them fuck them i understand (laughs) they can go they can go over to um hammer um, yeah, we we have friends and family. We have friends and family uh, day once a week. So like you know, oh. sisters, moms and dads, they can come in and participate and like see what the program's all about. Okay, and, you know, that kind of so stuff. So someone but, could bring that one day a week. You can bring your 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 son and daughter to uh to watch you work out, like yeah, cheer you on like, and all the, that. Shit. The, we're 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 peers. Like it's a, it's an actual thing. It's been around since the 1950s. Like we're certified peers because we have shared life experience, right? Like think vets like who have PTSD. They don't want to hear about your fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, right. If you have an experience what they've experienced, you can't understand it, right? Same thing with us. It's like, 
it just for some whatever fucking crazy reason, if you haven't shared in this experience, um, the the message can be lost. So all of our staff is peers. You know, everybody. I've been I've been sober twenty years, and I walk by that gym. Can I come in and work out? Hundred percent. Ah, not even sober too long. Sorry, get the fuck out. No, like like Ed Kiefer, who is the guy that reached out to you guys, right? Ed's story is he's someone in what we'd say like long-term recovery, right? He's been stable for quite a while. He was an athlete, a college soccer player, uh, an entrepreneur, started drinking too much, got real fucked up, got sober, got a family, got a real job. Um, he's gained 30 pounds. You know, he's something's missing. He comes to our program and he's like, like me, he's like, damn, this is, this is it for me, dude. This is so cool. He shows up every single day, uh, starts to play soccer again. Um, and, he and, really, ends up, really, and they end up kind of being mentors. I guess that's even better than having, that's what I, I guess those oh. people are great. You've been sober for 20 years. You're 50 pounds overweight. Now you're working out with the guy who's already lost 50 pounds, but he's only six months sober. And now you got some synergy there. You got one yeah. guy being like, wow, I can make it 20 years and get a, a wife and a kid. And the guy who's 50 pounds overweight. is like, Oh shit, I can get, I can lose the weight. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's what it's about. It's like, it is a daunting task. Like when you're in that first year, when you're in that first three months, like, dude, life seems unmanageable, right? Like, how am I ever going to overcome the loss, the, the loss of 20 years? Like, how am I going to ever get back on track and get a job? That's another thing that we like really promote is the we we really leverage the community intentionally, right? Which is the way that CrossFit is meant to be. It's like I'm going to intentionally introduce you to one another. We are going to make friends with each other because you never know the benefits of knowing one another through connection, right? Like networking. Like we're going to teach you the skill of networking. You're going to tell us what you're, uh, what you need. And I'm going to connect you with somebody <laughs> that can help you. Yeah. Whether that be like, this dude knows about cars. You got a car problem. Let us know. I'll connect you with someone. He'll fix your fucking car for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you need shoes. I'll fucking get you some shoes. You like all these kind of things. Like, what's your problem? You don't know how to mail in a letter to your to your lawyer. We got you. We can do that. Like those kind of things like have to be purposeful and intentional, like pushing that message to the community that like, dude, we're here to support you and help you however we need to. Any area of your life that you find complication or difficulty in, maybe you want to get custody of your kid that you abandoned like me. I got I, I, I know how to do that. I've been through that before and I'd be more than happy to share that information. You know, so it's that kind of like leveraging the community that is like uh, CrossFit taught me how to do that. <laughs> so uh, it all comes back to that at the end of the day. Uh, but we do we do have a mentorship program. So three of these employees that I've hired full time, they are pro- they call them, I don't want to call them products because they're people, but call them, they're products of Barbell, right? They they are our, our coach Brittany. Three days out of prison comes to Barbell. She. Like, like us, like is obsessed. How did she hear about that? How did she, she hear about a, a program called Televerti? It's like a job okay. placement thing that that is specifically for women in prison. So they're hey, giving them. Had she worked out? But did she have a training background? No, not at all. A she fitness background? A was she like a college softball player or some shit? No. no. Can you imagine getting out of prison and, and, and as a woman and, and and three days later joining a CrossFit gym? Yeah. That's some I mean, scary shit. Like, I guess lot. if you come from prison, it doesn't get scarier than that. No. Right. Um, and so, yeah, she takes, uh, she takes interest in, in the program. I see it. And I'm like, Hey, you know, if you want to be a coach here, we can, we can work towards that. Um, she was like my, 
I think she was my first one. Then I was like, why don't you go over to my hammer CrossFit gym across the street and do CrossFit as much as you can because I need you to learn it, right? Like that's going to be kind of an internship. Go over there, listen to the top tier coaching, be a part of that community too. That way you're absorbing more and more information. Um, and then we work with them to develop their coaching skills. We pay for their L1s, like all that kind of stuff. And now they're coaches here. And now they're, that's, this, that's, the, that's the hope. That's the process. Uh, hopefully we'll scale. We'll have more locations. We're also able to take our program where we really, so what you're thinking right now is that people in recovery just show up here. That is true. But where our real strength is, is in part partnering with existing organizations that already have all the clients that I want to serve. That so all be- the rehabs in the area know. All of them. Like how, how many rehabs are there in Phoenix? Seven or 700? 47 million. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And they all know at some point or another, they either know you directly or they know someone who knows you and they know that this is one of their resources. Yeah. My, my, my wife works at a rehab and, and um, uh, awesome one. I it, It's crazy. I did a uh, – I was fired. Uh, sorry for the, the selfish plug, but I was fired. And then my last two weeks that I worked there, I, I started working on this um, piece on this rehab that's in my area, Santa Cruz, California. Okay. God, the lady there is so fucking awesome. And she owns a CrossFit gym. And because it's in a rehab, they got to keep it open the entire fucking so-called pandemic because oh, it was really it was, cool. med- it was medical grade. You know, they tucked it under some medical shit. Anyway, right. every single person there except my wife is a former addict. The lawyer, they all went through the program, the yeah. lawyers, the owner of the company, the fucking chef in the, and then the dining hall, the yeah. people who clean the rooms, the CrossFit coaches, the yoga. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Like, and who better to promote CrossFit, which is, you know, it's a healthy lifestyle. Uh, like who's good people who want to be better. That's yeah, like, man, like, yeah, we all want to be better. All of us that do it. Like no one's going there. Like, God, I hope I hurt myself today. God, I hope I leave like a shittier person. It's the well, opposite. Like, you know, all, all the folks that come to my hammer gym, like all the ones out there that, that do regular CrossFit, like, yeah, go ahead. Tell me your story. And I, I can meet you there. Like I can relate, you know, I've, yeah. I've been through a lot of shit myself. Oh, so right. Right. I can relate. Like I've right. overcome smoking. I've overcome the yo-yo weight gain and weight loss. Uh, like, I mean, all that stuff, I get it. I know what it's like to be a 40 year old that gets hurt all the time. <laughs> I can relate on so many levels to with these people. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what the coolest part about it is to, to watch other people catch fire, uh, in the program in CrossFit and then want to make that their, that make that their job, you know, make that their calling. And I'm like, dude, let's, that's how we grow. Right. So the only thing that's limiting us right now is, is, resources, money. Like we, we've got the formula. We've got the program. We know the methodology. We know how to implement it. Um, and now we're plugging ourselves in to a, a really, really big need. Right. And that's where Barbell really finds itself is like, man, there are, there are millions of people out there struggling with drug and alcohol right now. And, and, and honestly, like that we already have so many great organizations out there that that, that work the psychological side, that work the spiritual side, that work the, like all these things, right? But all of those programs, the majority of those programs are, are short term, right? They're 90 days, they're six months, they're 30 days. And then what? What, what, what program lasts for the rest of their life to support them when things get hard? 
And that's where barbell can exist. Sure. We can meet you at your third month in recovery, but at the same time, I want to be here 30 years down the road. I want you to still continuously come, right? Even if it's a couple days a week, but at least when shit hits the fan, cause it's going to in your life, we're a program that is always there for you. Like we never stop being there. So that's where I think we find ourselves uh, in a, in a unique situation. That's really the society as a, as a, as a whole is desperately in need of. Uh, Jeffrey, um, I've never been fired from any job except for one. And, uh, how is that going for that company? That, that, that's what I, that's what I, uh, leave you with. Um, uh, not only that, but if I didn't, my, my wife said this to me the other day, holy shit. Like if we didn't have CrossFit, like what would we be doing? Like to stay in shape, would we just be out running every day that, I mean, it's a lifelong tool. Once you get a couple years under your belt, go to an affiliate, take your L ones. Like you, you got it. You take it. Like you don't even have to do CrossFit. Just go take, just get you those tools. Good. And like, I, I mean, I mean, it, it's like just, just, uh, yes, I, I'm preparing for podcast. I'll just do like step ups for 30 minutes while I fucking watch a podcast and, and watch some TV. Yeah. I would have never thought of doing that if it wasn't for CrossFit. You yeah, always dude, have the tools once you get it. I am not a, I am not a CrossFit or nothing guy, right? I'm, but I do tell people one thing about CrossFit that I'm going to guarantee you is that after six months of this, you are going to have an education in how to fitness like that. You're yeah. not going to get anywhere else. And now if you want to take that education and become a triathlete, or if you want to take that education and be a surfer, like fucking go dude, do it. Yes. But that is another thing that we promise, right? Like this is an educational uh, process program. It's an educational program. I mean, God, kids I wonder if people problems. really understand that you're so right. They don't. It's like, it's like if you went to if you went to school to learn how to cook, um, I don't know, uh, let's say become an expert on barbecue, and then you never wanted to do barbecue again. It wouldn't matter. You would leave there having mastery over the the, the kitchen, the knives, the stoves, all that shit. It's it, it's um, I wonder, I wonder, it, it, it's for people who aren't in our group, it's just so hard for them to comprehend all the stuff we learn in there. I know. It, it, it all betters your life. None of it hurts your life. It's 100% betters your life. Right. It's a needle mover in that direction. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, to talk about like, you know, our, our tagline for barbell is healing the body to save the mind. And like, it's, it's so fucked up the way we think about how we disassociate our mind from our body. We do it all the time. We think that our mind is somehow disassociated from our body when it couldn't be farther from the truth. Your fucking brain is in your body. Everything your body is doing is affecting your brain. So by that extension, if you're putting harmful chemicals, you know, eating a shitty diet, eating, but that's affecting your brain, right? Because it's your body. So but somehow we don't think about that. Like we don't like, we like to disassociate our mind from our body. Um, and here it becomes very uh, relevant. Like it's, it's so focused here that everything you're doing here isn't about aesthetics, which I, you know, it's about your, it's about the effect on your mind. Like the, it's just a byproduct. The way that my body looks is a byproduct of, of doing CrossFit. It's not why I even do CrossFit. I don't do it to have a nice body. I'm doing it because yeah, it just, it elevates my life in like so many ways. Um, yeah, it's crazy. 
Um, what, what is your, do you have a relationship with uh, CrossFit HQ at all? Uh, they, they paid for our affiliate for barbell. Oh, that's all. Oh, but for barbell saves. Yeah. Do they pay for all nonprofits? I'm not sure. And so you just told, you told some, uh, someone at the affiliate team that, um, and, uh, they were fucking awesome. I'm not gonna lie. They were fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Uh, I had originally thought it best to steer clear of CrossFit being an affiliate using the trademark name. I was like, I just got to stay away from that because it overcomplicates things. Um, and then a friend of mine who uh, used to be employed here, he was like, dude, like embrace it. Like, fuck it. Just embrace it. And I was like, it, he convinced me. Right. And I was like, you're right. I mean, obviously I'm passionate about CrossFit and I shouldn't steer clear of that. If we're going to help the thing that I love the most, um, be the best version of itself. I think barbell only helps to elevate CrossFit, right? So we reached out to them. We had an, uh, a talk with somebody uh, over at HQ and they were like, this is, this is fucking cool. Um, I think that they're kind of standoffish. Maybe we're so new that they're like, let's wait to see what these guys do with this before we go and jump in bed with them. Right. Um, I think that they've kind of learned their lesson through a couple of different relationships where they did that real quick. And it ended up kind of maybe maybe it wasn't as mutually beneficial as they had hoped. Now well, it's, I want, it's great for the brand. Yeah, I want CrossFit's help. I, I'm fucking they. I 100% think that what we're doing is so fucking tied and is so in line. Um, we're 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 going to collect the data. Like we have an opportunity through what we're doing to collect data on CrossFit that even CrossFit won't collect. Um, to prove that this is an evidence-based form of uh, treatment. You know what I mean? Like we're going to collect all of the information we're going to, because the way that we're tied to insurance is like, it already sets ourselves up for, you know, we have like an EMR, we, uh, an, uh, an electronic medical records thing. Like when you go to a doctor and they, they do documentation and that kind of stuff, like that's what we do. So built into all systems we collect data we ask important questions we all of that kind of stuff so we're going to collect all this data over time um and the bigger we get the bigger that sample size is going to get and the, the more help that we get from crossfit the better the program will run right like i i'm no expert <laughs> i don't claim to be an expert in anything and i can always use help so yeah i think once is they every see class an on, encounter is there what's that is every class you have like an encounter? Like, do you have to like write up a documented note or is it just like whenever you meet up with them, like one-on-one -on -one or something? Uh, we are divided. Some of the private, the private classes that we run for organizations are documented and in, we kick in the insurance billing side for four classes a day, two in the morning and two in the evening. They are just CrossFit classes, plain and simple to you guys that are CrossFitters. You get that. They're just CrossFit classes for people in recovery. Anybody can come into those classes. It's just free. We don't bill. We don't document. We don't do anything. But if you, uh, if, if Savon's wife's business wants to bring those clients over, we send them like an intake packet. They'll fill out that intake packet. Uh, assuming that those individuals are on Medicaid, um, we'll then get that information and we'll bill their insurance. Uh, we will not be billing like your insurance or Savon's insurance. Like, but only those that are on Medicaid. So we're what's called an access provider here in Arizona. That's Medicaid for Arizona. Oh, you're getting smart. You're getting smart. Careful. You know too much. You know too much already. 
<laughs> that's gonna put fucking 10 pounds of fat on you if you keep fucking <laughs> learning that shit you're gonna end up in a chair you don't don't learn that shit that shit will end up putting you in a chair <laughs> <laughs> yes no man i mean like yeah i mean like the whole insurance thing is like a scary place to go into but at the same time you gotta go there it's it's the only way that this country is gonna get it is there it's there Hey, they know, they know too. What's crazy is the insurance companies know too. They know that at the end of the day, their best bang for their buck is, um, to, to, to move towards things like, uh, barbell saves. They know that they're, they'll get less relapse. It it saves them money. They make more money. They get richer and they know they have the, they have the data. We, we met with that guy. I can't fucking remember uh, from discovery health. Uh, in, in, in Africa, we, I fuck, he owned a fucking skyscraper, like a legitimate skyscraper. We went in there, we met with them and he showed us the numbers and it's like, dude, there's your perfect fucking, if you're an insurance company, you're no matter what your insurance, car insurance, health insurance, any insurance, your perfect member is a CrossFitter. hundred percent. Right. They, They do have a little bit more orthopedic calamity obviously every time you get off the couch, there's a chance you're going to fucking twist your ankle, hurt your shoulder, but right. man, all their other shit, mental oh. health, all the pills from mental health, all the cardiovascular shit just plummets. Right. And I mean, and then the, the, they know, you know, you can, you can get conspiratorial or you can say, I, I can tell you as, as someone well, they who, want, everyone wants to be rich. That's the right. problem. All the corporations also, have a fiduciary duty to get rich. If I can t- tell you that this vaccine is going to work, um, even though it doesn't, I, I'm, 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 I have that obligation to my company to sell it. Right. And, you know, yesterday the CDC just put out the vaccine does not reduce transmission at all. Zero. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> right. Right. Holy shit. Right. Holy shit. Zero <laughs> transmission reduction. None of you are safe. Triple mask. <laughs> right. Right. So. You know, half the argument Sorry, is... Sorry, I, I always got to go there. No, I got to drag I, everyone into my mud. Sorry. Oh, no, no. It only took him an hour and a half this time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I, I think that, though... But I tell you what does reduce transmission, d- doing CrossFit. Yeah. I mean, that, that again, that was, a, that was such an eye-opening... Uh, every Going outside, every, going hiking with Rob and his family. Every traumatic experience is an opportunity to learn from it, right? And, like, the pandemic was such an opportunity for for those out there, like those friends that I spoke of, right. To go, Holy shit. You know, this is scary shit. Like mental yeah. health is a thing, right? Yeah. Like alcoholism and, and, and drug addiction. Like that's a, that's a big problem. Like, yeah, no shit. Like it's going to be a bigger problem, right? We talk about fentanyl, right? This whole thing that's sweeping across the fucking country is terrifying. Like on a level, like people don't understand. I'm an addict. I haven't been out there for 10 years. I'm telling you right now, if I go back out, I'm going to die. I'm dude, dude, gonna die. Like, I don't know anyone personally who's ever died from, uh, like, I can't think of it. It's kind of interesting, but I grew up in the Bay Area. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who's died of cancer. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who's died of AIDS. I can't think of anyone who's died off the top of a heroin overdose. But in the last three months, there's five people, one degree of separation from me who've died from fentanyl. Yeah, and dude. four of them weren't yeah. even doing fentanyl. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? All kids, by the way. By kids, I mean people in their 20s. Oh man, like if you got firefighters on here or like cops, like they're seeing all that crazy they shit. They fucking huh? know. They fucking know. It's brutal. <laughs> like it is brutal. What a rough time to be a kid and just want to do a line of coke. <laughs> yeah, good luck. 
No, I mean, that's the kind of conversations I have with a 16 year old son, you know, is like, I, I get the, 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 the desire to experiment. And I, I don't, I don't want to be like, I want you to freely express yourself in the world, like grow. And like, I know that's going to mean doing sometimes dangerous shit. Like that's right. Grow. Right. But at the end of the day, dude, I'm like, you're not, we ain't in Kansas anymore. You, you can't fuck around. You know, and you'll be so happy when you're 50 around and somebody like turns and hands you a pill. I just read an, uh, an article that came out in the AZ Republic today that like that we're in and they're they're talking about, you know, at a party, there's six kids. They all take a pill. Five of the kids are fine. One of the kids dies. That's because that pill had an abundance of fentanyl and the other four or five did not. The pills I used to take, they looked exactly the same, but they were pharmaceutical grade. Yeah. They were consistent. The dosage of drug in that pill was consistent every single time. This new pill is made in Mexico in a bathroom or a kitchen, and you have no idea the potency of a pill that you're taking. And that is that's what makes it so fucking dangerous. That and the fact that it's dirt cheap, like dirt cheap. Here in Arizona, you can buy a fentanyl pill for $8. That same pill would have cost me $35 fucking 10 years ago i i, I just uh, as you're saying this i just went on to um amazon to see if i could make find a pill maker right like just if any i'm sure i can find one i don't see one right away but i'm sure any tom dick or harry can make pills now i mean yeah it's it, but even at that it's, like the even, are doing it. it's not even cost effective they're, they're, they're so cheap to a dealer i think the 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 cops we went to a drug summit two weeks ago and the the national guard was there. The CDC was there and like the law enforcement agencies were all there. And they, the guy got up there and he was like, you know, if you're a dealer, they will sell you this for like 50 cent, 50 cents or 35 cents a pill. I mean, it's nothing. You can buy a thousand pills for whatever the hell that is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found it. Are. There's, there's the, yeah, there's pill makers. Fuck, man, yeah. It's, it's really scary. So getting informed and getting people, I mean, I've, we've had several clients already pass uh, in this past year from fentanyl. We've met them in an inpatient, right? They were coming, they were here in a 90 day program. They were doing the workouts and, and all that. We stayed connected and we're like, dude, you got to keep coming. Like, when you get out, you got to get back in here. And uh, young fit. I was like, dude, you're like, you're legit. If you want to be a coach, like, here's the track. I don't see him for like a month. Friends are like, dude, have you seen him? And I'm like, no, I haven't. He's back out. And then he ends Fuck. up dead. He ends up dead. Like twenty five year olds, fit fit as you can get. And I mean, just thinks you know maybe just a drink of beer, like drinking a couple of beers, isn't going to kill me. And it's not. But maybe those ten beers that you just chugged made your inhibitions go away, and you were like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take a pill. Rob, are, <laughs> are, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, Caleb. Is relapsing considered like? being sober for a period of time and having like even just one drink, like, is that even like, do you consider that relapsing? Uh, I don't give a shit about how long you've been sober. I don't care about counting days or holding the world's record for the most consecutive days. I personally have not used a drug uh, or drank alcohol for over 10 years consecutively without, without miss. That doesn't mean I'm special. And like, I kind of hate when people punish others like I got, like, what if I went out and had a fucking beer tonight with Savant? Like, is everything I've accomplished now just wiped away? Like, are they going to, are they going to cancel me? Are they going to, you guys going to come out and be like, that guy's a fake. He's a fraud. And 
it, it's weird, right? Like it's this weird relationship between that, that stigma that's associated with the countless days of sobriety or like having a reward system built in. It's kind of weird. It's, uh, it's great. And I highly recommend that if anybody really struggles with drugs and alcohol, that they, they try to abstain from it, you know, but at the same time, if you don't, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, it is pretty impressive though in this day up. and age to go 10 years sober it is. And this, it's, it's, cool. it's for for any human being um you, you know you say to people hey have you thought about fasting for 24 hours and people freak the fuck out right and uh they act like you're asking something crazy of them and, and just imagine not having a sip of alcohol for i bet you most people for 10 years just get strict strikes them with anxiety yeah, man, if, if, you know, if if I went it's back drinking and it was like something I it was able to moderate or whatever, and it wasn't causing negative effects in my family and my relationships, then like, God bless that person that is able to do that. Again, we shouldn't have like a system where we're punishing people uh, who are able to go back to like normalized drinking and stuff like that. Like, I, I just don't care. I just If it's having a negative effect on your life or your loved ones or society, if it's causing you fucking problems then maybe try not doing it. And if those problems go away, great. Then stop doing it. Any chance you would close any, any, has this place threatened the existence of, um, your, uh, of hammer CrossFit? Oh no. Just like you sound like the kind of guy who might be on the verge of being spread too thin. You haven't said anything, but I just think, I also think that you probably give the phone number to every Tom, Dick and Harry that walks into barbell. And I just picture like you just being overwhelmed. No. Uh, I have an, an awesome team on both sides and shout out to hammer central's team. Uh, they're top tier. They're as good as they get in the world of CrossFit. They're, they're excellent. My wife started her own cash-based physical therapy called best PTAZ in hammer. Okay. When, when she did that, right. She was the, she was the breadwinner of the family, right? She was working at a hospital as every woman should be. Take note, yeah. ladies, <laughs> right. Outpatient physical therapy. She's supporting my dream, right, to run a successful CrossFit gym. At some point, I get to a level where we're able to now let her quit her job and start her own business and chase her dream of owning her own practice. Fuck, she, that's a great story right there. Yeah, so she does that. She does that at Hammer. It also then allows me to pivot and put more focus and attention at Barbell across the street my wife then falls in and becomes that other owner of the gym, right? Now she is so much better, no surprise, <laughs> at running running a business than I am. Uh, she's so good with like the logistics stuff and, and admin kind of side. Like it's been great. Uh, but we've you know we've been around for seven years. The the team there is running itself. They're fucking awesome. We have an awesome community that we communicate well with that like just understands us. Um, and they again, just kind of leveraging those those coaches and the staff at, at Hammer, they they take so much off my plate. Like I I don't I don't have to go there, you know. Um, I do all the time because I love to clean. Then <laughs> coming over here, same thing here. It's it's all about like finding the right people to do the job, um, and that is basically what my job and role is: is to find people to to do all those things so that I don't have to. Let me ask you this. I've, I think I've asked every affiliate owner this. Why keep paying um, your affiliate fees? Um, it seems like this brand is um, 
untarnishable. By that I mean there's this turnout of just remarkable people. Oh, people yeah. who are going into affiliates and doing the work um, right. in training, you know, like we all – like you can throw oil on us and we're like ducks. We just shake and the shit just flies off or like, like one of those hunting dogs, the shit just flies off in every direction. Right. No matter how much bad shit or struggles or hard times. I mean, the last two years have been horrible for gyms. This brand just cannot, um, everything bad that everyone says about the gym, the people who, are, who go there are kind of proud of it even. Oh yeah. Like fuck you, your assholes and you injure yourself. Yeah. You should stay away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. This is only for, and we're all still proud to wear the shirts and we're all like, um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a trip. The whole CrossFit thing is such a trip. Do you have any thoughts on that? Why do you keep paying your affiliate fees? Hmm. What do, what do you I, I like do about the brand? What is the brand? <laughs> what does the brand mean to you? I mean, it's when I try to explain to people CrossFit, one of the complications that I find that I think that HQ should think about is like, what does an ideal CrossFit gym look like to them? Is it a garage gym? Is it a 20,000 foot mayhem? Is it like, what does our product and service look like? What should it look like? Is there like an ideal? Um, are we a methodology? Are we an ideology? Like all these kind of questions, like I constantly think about, um, and I mean, I go back and forth with like, what is best for CrossFit, you know, and, and really what I care about most are the affiliates. It's like, what are best for the affiliates? And are we there now? I've been in this for eight years. I, I I'm on that affiliate page. I'm watching all these questions. I'm seeing all this interaction. And I really, I'm like, how profitable is the model? Like, how good is this? I want it to be more profitable so that more people want to own CrossFit gyms. Right. And so. I mean, I guess I don't know where I'm going with that, but I've, I've always, as someone who no has, one knows, no one knows, no experience. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a good case study because I don't have a college education. The guys on the affiliate pages that like to talk like, cool, you have an MBA, you know, this person over here was, you know, all these things and they have all this education and degrees. And I'm just like, but guys, like, I want to know how much money your CrossFit gym makes. Like, yeah. I want to know your revenue. Before yeah. I take advice from you, right. some of you are running a hundred thousand dollar a year CrossFit gyms and giving advice as if you're running mayhem. But what I really want is advice from mayhem. <laughs> like I want to talk right. to those people, but they're yeah. not in there. So that's where I feel like CrossFit. I want. I want. I don't know. I want CrossFit to succeed more than it does. I. I, I don't like that there are so many struggling affiliates. I hate that because they are good people, like myself, and and I want to know. How can CrossFit make it more uniform in, in a sense that like, I want everyone to do well um, and I want the brand to support that. So I don't know what that looks like. Um, I've gone in between that, like this CrossFit, why do I pay my affiliate fee? Like I stopped when the pandemic hit and they shut me down because I didn't know if I was going to survive. And that occurred in May or April when my affiliate was coming up. So I emailed them and I'm like, just so you know, we've been shut down and I'm not going to pay. <laughs> I'm not paying until I know that I'm going to be okay. And they were like, they were cool about that. And then in that, you know, you start to question like, why am I an affiliate? Like what, what, what am I getting out of this? Like, what is the, what's the return on my investment? And a lot of affiliate owners will simply give you an answer. Like it's like this loyalty thing. Like it's a stupid yeah. fucking question, bro. Like CrossFit's fucking saved your life. You need to, you need to pay your annual 
dues. <laughs> a, lo- a loyalty payment. Or like if you, want to, use the, if you want to use the Harley Davidson clubhouse, you better bring an ounce of Coke to, uh, you know, or not that's the Harley Davidson, the Hells Angel. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good enough argument for me. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, I need more information. I want to know. But I don't know. Maybe it is good enough for you. I mean, look at you. Yeah, I mean, that's you're paying it. Like, dude, again, thank God for the way that we establish affiliates because it allowed someone like me, a high school dropout with no college education, with no fucking reason except for a goddamn passion to do this, a thousand fucking dollars in a garage. And I was able to get here. Like, I can only think that the way that we do CrossFit for that. Um, and so that's where I'm torn. I'm just like, God, I'm torn. But Let I me tell you a quick story about that too, by, by the way. Let me just throw this in there and there's tons of stuff on it and hopefully I can get Greg on here eventually to talk about it. But if it, what well, Greg, Greg was aware of this, that basically the cat was out of the bag and that the people who were paying affiliate fees, this was starting to become a brand loyalty payment. Right. And he was he was thinking, well, what, where can I add value? And one of the ways he did add value was to keep the barrier of entry super low and to fight people in the political space to keep licensure off of physical uh, off of trainers. Right. And so when I hear you say, hey, this is crazy that someone like me can flourish and contribute so much to the fucking planet Earth and to into human existence because the barrier of entry was so low to get in. Yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have to jump through the hoops of fucking going to fucking Harvard or Yale or Berkeley. Here I am actually saving people's lives unlike those many of those douchebags and that very eventually was kept low through affiliate fees. Yeah. That was kept low because Greg Glassman spent fucking 20 million dollars in his last 2 years there suing the fuck out of people to keep companies like the NSCA away from trying to um put licensure on CrossFit gym. So I just want yeah, to give him, right. give him some props there. Like that was some cool shit. That was some gangster shit he was doing. That was, yeah. he was fighting. He was fighting war. Yeah, cause, like, Cause I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes I'll be my own hypocrite, you know? And I'm like, God damn it. If, if it was more like a, a, a franchise model, like that we see with orange theories or that 45s, yeah. like, you know, we'd have more uniformity and, 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 and better, like a, a better understanding of like, like what our, what our outcomes can look like and our revenue stream, blah, blah, blah. But then you're right. But then in that immediately goes, yeah, but they pay like $800,000 to start one. I don't have $800,000. You know, I, I wouldn't have ever gotten here. There's no fucking way if that was the barrier for entry. So we know, need people like you too. It's good to do that, to run the model. Well, I kind of do want to run own a McDonald's and I can hire kids to do it and all the burgers will look the same and it will be good. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, but that's not why I got into this. No, it's not. Because then I got somebody else telling me what to do. And you know what they're going to tell me to do? Four, three years ago, stop running a fucking charity in your CrossFit gym. Yeah, yeah. And that charity is my now job. <laughs> so I, again, like, I, I guess, I guess I... I'm, I'm contradicted. Like so many affiliate owners are out there. Like we're, we're so grateful that we had such a, an opportunity to start a business that we love. We made all of our best friends. I've married a couple. I've fucking, you know, I've been to all these weddings. I've watched kids be born. Relationships are ma- you know, met in the room. Like, man, you can't put a fucking price tag on that. That's not at all. But at the end of the in, day, in like, 10 years, you're going to have members at Barbell that you've known for 10 years and you're yeah. going to have seen their like they were homeless when they came in and now they they're rich and have a family like you're going to see that shit. It's going to be crazy. You know, I mean, one of the things that I want to try to do to help affiliate owners here, at least, at least in Phoenix, right, mm-hmm. is if they've got those open hours in the middle of the day, 
then I can run barbell classes out of their gym. They've got the equipment, they've got the space. Maybe they're near a, a, an inpatient or another organization that has clients. Mm. <clears throat> I run a class at one o'clock, three days a week, and then I'm able to take some of the money that we generate from that and we pay the affiliates. Right. Oh, so now wow. We're, now we're able to help affiliates out financially, which meets both of my fucking needs because I yes. want to help affiliates. And this is what I want CrossFit to know. It's like, help me help you. <laughs> that old saying. Um, right? Why do you want other cross? Why do you want the um, there to be lots of CrossFit affiliates? Doesn't that doesn't that um, hurt your business? No, because I, I want fucking people to do CrossFit. Like, because the world is a better place if more and more people do CrossFit. Like, community fitness is the key. <laughs> like, it's the answer. It's We've funny too. Um, if you go to Asia, you see all that. Yeah. Look at how well, like, if, if you are in a, in a healthy CrossFit gym right now, yeah. think about it as a microcosm for how society should operate. Yeah. You've liberals, you've got conservatives, you got men, women, all different ages, all different races. And holy fuck, you guys all get along. Well, we should probably try to replicate that as many times as possible. The age thing always fascinates me. Like, there's yeah. nowhere that, where does a 12 year old and a 70 year old get to work out together? I mean, it's nuts. I know it's crazy. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, dude, my best friend is like 20. <laughs> well, I love this dude. It's like, he's 20. Like that is weird. Well, who's the youngest uh, person you have? Um, what's the youngest person you have at barbell? Do you have any sub 18 under 18? Not yet. Uh, we will, uh, we're, we're right now trying to develop programs uh, for at risk teams. So, you know, anywhere from like, seventh grade up to 17 years old and trying to, because again, CrossFit showed us how to do CrossFit kids. <laughs> so yeah. we can apply that to the at-risk uh, teen population, you know, any of those kind of things. So we're, we don't do it yet, but the youngest that we have here is, you know, 18, 19 year olds, like in the CrossFit gym. I mean, it, um, even, even I was thinking like um, kids of parents who are, who are addicts or who are in rehab or just like, yeah, because you know, once you give these kids these tools, I mean, kind of even you. This this is a testament to just the power of fitness. It wasn't CrossFit, but it was moving your body that kind of saved you. If you probably oh, yeah. wouldn't have had athletics as a kid, you probably wouldn't have been able to bounce back into CrossFit. Right. I shouldn't say wouldn't. It would have changed the odds. So it was the gifts and opportunities that just fitness, what, whether it was, you know, running laps in baseball or whatever you did in football or just, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? That was a gift that just kept giving at some point. Do you remember the very first time you lifted weights, trained as a kid? Uh, I mean, I know when I started, yeah, in high school. I was 15 years old. Yeah. But I used, to work out, I used to work out like in my living room, you know, I, I used to run shuttle sprints in the street, you know, like at night. I used to run. Like was, as a kid, you were motivated yeah, like that. Like, I mean, you guys probably did too, like foot races with your friends, like in the street, like we were doing CrossFit, <laughs> like we were testing each other all the time, seeing who could jump the highest, who could jump the farthest, who could, you know, all of those different things. Like we were doing that shit all the time as kids. I played a lot. Like I grew up in the street, like playing sports year round. And when I got into high school and everything was organized, one thing that I can look back on is like that the team sport thing, that's what kept me together. Right. That's what gave me a purpose to get better grades. Uh, that's what made me uh, curtail my partying and drinking, right? So that I could play my sport. Then when the season ended, shit hit the fan, 
right? I didn't have my outlet anymore. I wasn't being physically active anymore. I would always gain and put on weight in the off season and I would, my grades would decline. You know what I mean? Like there was this cycle. Young men cannot be left alone to their own accord. No. So when I talk to young people, you know, like the teens that do CrossFit, I make sure that they're well aware of that. Like when your sport wears out, whether that's in high school, college, when that day comes, my wife was a division two diver, division one diver. Like what she said, she had exercised as a gymnast all through high school, all through college. And somebody luckily introduced her to CrossFit like her senior year or something like that. So she is done with diving and she's right into CrossFit and just never stops fitnessing. So when I get out, of, when I drop out of high school, sports are off the table. I'm not playing sports at all anymore. Right. And that's where that decline never comes back up. And it just goes and goes and goes and just the cheese falls off the cracker. So I'm trying to tell these kids, I'm like, dude, be fucking aware, dude. If you're like one of those people out there that, you know, is a, a college athlete or a, it happens to dudes in the military too. Like you got to stick with a program. You got to stick with the program that's been working for you. Uh, and there's CrossFit again, like that long-term fitness program that's going to last you into your fucking eighties. So anyway, I'm a big proponent for that. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I've been so successful is that I found a team sport that I can play year round, year after year, week after week. It never goes into an off season. I'm still, I, I'd, I'd love to talk in a year again. I, I yeah. it sounds like uh, you're at uh, every day is Christmas for you right now. Like you have just so many opportunities. The gym's growing, the clients are growing, your stories are growing. I'm so excited for you. The fact that you got this newest grant and you got five new employees is it's so exciting. Yeah. It's, it's fucking exciting right now. It's really, yeah. really exciting. hanging on by the fucking bootstraps for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is, this is cool. I mean, this is like the, this is fucking Christmas, man. Um, you know, my brother-in-law, Tony Roy, <clears throat> avid CrossFitter eight years, like fucking a student of the sport. Right. Mm -hmm. He's been obsessed with the podcast for its conception, you know, and he's been telling me, he sends me clips all the time. You know, that's where I kind of found out about you guys. And so then like when I meet people who I feel like have drank the juice, <laughs> I'm like, here's Savant's podcast. Like, and they're always like, dude, this is fucking amazing. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, that I know that makes me right. feel good because last night uh, I did something against all uh, best judgment. Someone sent me a link. Uh, one of my friends sent me a link to uh, Reddit, which I normally refuse to go to. And I went there and it was 108 straight comments of ass pounding me. Yeah, <laughs> on the on the Reddit thread, saying how horrible this podcast is. I was did. like, my God! <laughs> I saw. You know what I did for? Uh, I I medicated myself. I went over to like Apple, and there's like 742 five star reviews. I was like, oh, oh there you God. are. There oh you yeah, are. pull that, pull that out, pull that, take that. I mean, fuck Reddit's brutal. You you get. I, I don't. <sighs> They don't I even know. like the fact that I say Reddit ass pounded me. They don't like my metaphors. But no, I'm telling you, I got what, ass pounded what, over uh, there. It's not even a metaphor. You know, you you, you say what you're thinking and you're, and you're honest and you're <laughs> upfront. And for that, like, I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't always share your views and I, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I like that I, I have a read on you. Like, I know what you're thinking, but I get it. Like, it's tough, man. I mean. I, I'm I'm in a position obviously where like I'm more careful. I don't say things that you know might offend or like that sort of thing. I, I know where I'm where I'm at right now. And, and um, you have yeah, a bigger I mean, vision too, though. You're really helping. I mean, you're saving people's lives. When you're saving people's lives, um, when you're doing mouth to mouth and resuscitating people, 
uh, I think that's like the highest calling. That's not the time to be like, hey, by the way, did you hear what Fauci said today? I mean, I, I, I think right. what you're doing is is I, fantastic. I heard a, I heard a CEO once say he was catching flack for like not taking a position or taking a position that was con, con, whatever, all that shit, controversial. And his response was like, no, I, I already have the mission. Like I already know what I'm setting out to do and the way that I'm going to impact society in a positive way. And that needs to be enough. Like I yeah, don't want yeah. to get involved in politics at all. That's a distraction from what I'm trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is very simple. It's implement CrossFit for people in recovery. Like I'm going to, you know, transform these people's lives. I'm going to offer them a vehicle to do that. And that has to be enough. Like, why does it have to be more than that? Why yeah. do I have to take stances and be on a side and like all that shit? doesn't fucking matter. Just get in the way. Dude, so, I love that. Yeah, I'm fucking passionate about that. So <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks for your two hours and four minutes. I appreciate it, dude. Fuck yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll come back and uh and we'll talk in a year. It'll be it'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, tell Tammy I said what's up. Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> I will. She'll be she'll be ecstatic. And uh you have my number, I have your number. Anything I can ever do from you, uh hit me up. Yeah, same. Cool. All right. Ciao, brother. Thank you. Savon, once you're off, you can talk about Hunter talking shit. He's talking shit about me? Yeah, he was. can't remember where I saw it, but he said that you were too scared to have him on the show because you're only into having CrossFitters on and you're shallow. Something like that. Oh, true. true. It's all true. I need to have him on. I need to have Hiller on. I'm getting behind in my Hiller fit review shit. Oh, I spoke to Hunter on the phone yesterday and I was, I was distracted. Even then I couldn't give him my full attention. Cause I was, I think I was at the skate park or something. Where have you been the last couple of days? Not where I normally am, I guess. You, um, duty called, duty called. Yeah, I had to make a little trip. Can you give us any details? Um, I could say something that has never happened before in the history of the military happened. So that's cool. Wow. You went out to, did you go out to the pipe that broke? <laughs> no, I did not go to that. <laughs> not that far away. Have you heard about the pipe that broke? Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of uh, conspiracy about that. It's weird. Piped. Yeah. Um, oh, the, another good question. Did you jump out of a helicopter? Did not jump out of a helicopter, unfortunately. Can you tell us um, uh, what kind of vehicle? Did you travel somewhere? I did travel somewhere. Did you go by air or ground? By ground. By ground. Okay. Did it, ha did it have AC? No. <laughs> God, your life sucks. A little bit. <laughs> God, your life sucks. No AC. Oh my goodness! Is it a, is it a stick shift or a uh, automatic? Thankfully, it was automatic, but it's like a two cylinder, so it was like fucking horrible to drive. A big, big knobby tires. No, no. Uh, did you sit in the back or in the front? I was in the backseat this time. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Pretty bumpy ride.
<laughs> hey, when you come back, will you be able to tell us stories? Yeah, I'll probably be able to tell some more stories. Um, are you keeping a journal? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, good, good. Because you're going to forget more. Than, yeah, you're going to forget more than you remember. I know. <laughs> All right. Um, in three hours and 23 minutes, we'll be back on with Justin Nunley and Darian Weeks and uh, Aljamain Sterling, the UFC bantamweight champion. Um, and maybe Caleb? Should be able to make it. All right. All right, dude. Thank you. Great show. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, this was, we. I don't know how many we've done, but I'd say at least five or ten now of the affiliate series every week for 52 weeks. I'm going to interview a CrossFit affiliate somewhere on planet earth or if there was one off of planet earth i'd do that i'm uh thoroughly enjoying these that was one of the easiest ones i've ever done that guy just started up and went off to the races he's a badass you didn't send me notes that was great i didn't have any notes i'm I'm like fuck it i'm going into this i mean i I checked out his um instagram I, i when we i by the time we scheduled these people, it's been a month. So I even forget why I was interested in having them on. So it was kind of like a surprise. It was kind of cool. It was a surprise. Um, it was a surprise for me. Tony, or kudos everyone for letting Rob tell his entire backstory, which makes the rest all that more impressive. Yeah, dude, that was cool. I don't know why I'm just for, I guess all boys are like this. I don't know if, if girls are like this, but it's just always fascinating hearing like stories of drugs and guns and sex. And I just, I like it. I, unfortunately I, <laughs> It, it, it's fun. I have them on and just talk about, I mean, you have, when you're that into drugs and you're as handsome as that dude, you've had some crazy sexual escapades too. That would, that would be fun yeah, to hear yeah. those. It's yeah. Looking, dude. I'd love to have a drink with them and talk and hear those. Um, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, Sevon, you still need to get with our owner head coach. He's at war college. Uh, okay. Point me in the right direction. Any coverage of JR's comp? When is that? When is that? Uh, it's not until next month. So I think a couple weeks. Okay. I don't know. I do know this. I will tell you this. I think it is looking very good that we are sending three people over to the best CrossFit competition in the world next month. It starts 30 days from now. It's called Rogue. And uh, we have three people going there, um, all people, three people you know. Um, they will have media access. Um, we will be covering it like we covered the games, but I think even uh, mas, mas bueno. Um, I think we fixed some of our audio issues. We'll have three people on the ground there. And then we'll also be, I'll be watching all the events at my house and then coming live right after the events uh, to give you guys reviews and, and uh kind of like some hopefully some backstage access like uh hiller and um Sousa did last time thank you Sevon. thank you caleb yeah anytime my pleasure stand corrected it's crashes this weekend oh it is yeah it's this weekend <laughs> it went from it went from next month to this weekend uh, by right. the way, Gabe, Gabe will be there from uh, Paper Street Coffee will be there. Um, all the athletes there will be receiving California Hormones uh, CEO shirts like this one. Um, if you want to order some coffee from Paper Street Coffee, it's P-A-P-E-R-S-T coffee.com and use Sevon for 10% off. And if you want a free doctor's consultation with California Hormones, just go to their website. It's C-A 
hormones.com. Um, they are, they have been getting slammed by all the people coming in from the podcast. Um, that's awesome for me. Uh, that shows that they're getting value from, uh, from interacting with the podcast and, um, they are generous enough. They printed out, you know, at, at, uh, at the games this year, they printed out a thousand shirts and, uh, we gave them away for free and we printed out a shit mo shitload more that will be going to the athletes at the crash crucible J.R. Howell's event this weekend. And then, um, at Gabe's booth, I think you'll either be able to get them for free or just pay for the cost of what it costs to print them. So go check out the paper street coffee booth. How was that? That was good. It was pretty good. Nice work. Right. Thank you. 